Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special Halloween spooky session. Spooky of session. Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I'm Paul Page from the Four Corners Games podcast. Trying my hand at uh, being a GM tonight for Call of Cthulhu. Or, a keeper. Yeah. Or as they say in Call of Cthulhu, <laughs> a keeper. Um, and I'm joined here with my partner, Alex. That's me. I am Alex Adams, the GM for the Final Crusade and half of the BuddyCast team here at Four Corners Games Podcast. And we are joined by two awesome uh, people from the community. Sorry, two awesome groups from the community, I should say. Um, we have Nikki from Beholder to No One and Nick and Andy from PlayQuest Pod. Nikki, what's going on? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome a lot yeah thank you um, nikki and no, <laughs> no we uh we just hit our, our fifth episode of our actual play it's a horror-esque actual play perfect for october right now Ooh. um that's based in clear light a very sharn-esque world um we also have our ttrpg one shots and discussions lots of that going on um biggest thing right now for me that i'm super excited about is tonight if you guys are catching this on the 31st at least i will be in a charity stream over on gm table and we will be playing strahd but in miami oh. in 1987 so that's if you want to cool. so if you want to come support kids for the extra life uh foundation and also just watch me try a new system for the first time and make a fool of myself come watch that stream <laughs> I bet you it's going to be so that's amazing. Paul and I have both played through Curse of Strahd. I did not know there was a, a 1980s Miami version. There is my friend made a uh, Bobby from say, GM table sounds... made it up himself, and it's uh, that sounds really specific. Using, I don't, yeah, it's using it. a Tales from the Flood system, and um, he made it up so it's perfect for this one shot. That's so fucking amazing. It's like the Vice City of like curse of strad that's that's awesome yeah strad's well, wearing a white suit <laughs> i mean he has to he's the bad guy and or good guy the 80s were a very confusing time yep <laughs> well thank you nikki for that and then andy and nick from play quest pod what you got going on hey guys um well thanks for having us on um I, i'm nick uh and uh what is going on on play quest right now so uh when you're tuning if you're tuning to this very soon uh in the next week uh Go find us. Uh, PlayQuest is the name of the podcast, and we're starting uh, our next arc of a playtest of the Tenra Bancho system, which is a Japanese-made role-playing game intended to bring elements of anime and Japanese mythology uh, into uh, a really crazy role-playing game. So come join us for that for uh, a pretty extended playtest. Uh, we'll probably end up being about 20 episodes of um, crazy anime action as we relive some of the, uh, uh, or tell it, I guess what we're doing is tell a bit of a new tale related to the Akko incident or what's typically called the 47 Ronin um, and tell a terrible story of revenge and uh, crazy anime action. So I assume if you're going to go like the DBZ route, there's just going to be one episode of you screaming while you charge up. Is that, uh, is that good, so, accurate? I, I, do, I do play a character that uh, can uh, go the equivalent of Super Saiyan. Um, and I, I will say I spent a whole lot of time thinking about what it looks like when it happens. Um, and, and, uh, we don't spend a full episode on me just going, but, um, 
but I was, but only because I was shouted down uh, when I pitched. <laughs> I want to stress something about this game. If I want to correct, if I'm Nick, if this was this game that had all of this map? Because I seem to remember because I missed this season. And yeah. What I recall was that it took a while to figure out how to get the map door. The players the, really struggled. Um, it's it's a weird thing. So. What it is, is it's a D6 system that's based on a skill level and then also a level of, like, how many attributes you have in it. So you roll so many D6 of your attributes, and you've got a certain skill, and anything below that number counts as a success. Um, and it did take everybody a very long time to figure out that uh, what that means for success is not any of those numbers, one or the other, but what your average roll is compared to the average roll that you're going against someone else. And, yeah, took everybody a hot minute because I... I purposely min-maxed and power-gamed and seemed very, very powerful next to a lot of other people that just made cool characters. That's that's how I like to play. I, I can't games. imagine who would do that, Paul, <laughs> that egregious error of min-maxing. Yeah. What are you talking about? As that's I said the earlier, best I'm way a to play game, game theory guy, and yeah, there's only one right way to do it. It's to min-max and uh, make yeah. strong characters that are real, real dumb, and everybody has a lot of fun. <laughs> the Economist says that's a value judgment, Nick. A value judgment. <laughs> Lots of schools of thought floating around. <laughs> and the zoologist says that we're all primates. Nailed hey. it. Hey. <laughs> look at that. My Even the chickens. <laughs> Even the... Look at all those chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's amazing to have you all on. Thank you so much for taking the time out um, to enjoy a little bit of spook over here with us. Oh, I love it. Yes. I'm excited. I'm super stoked. Yeah. I'm beyond stoked. I just, I don't know. This is a whole entire scenario of Lovecraft plus a game and the fact that it's on Halloween night. Just get into it. Might not get this is going to be swell, guys. Hey, there yes. it is. Uh, already there bringing it is. in our 1920s lingo. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Give up the game. Getting into the swing of it. Opening Watch out for that car. Damn it. There were cars. Jalopy. 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 Watch out for that jalopy. That horseless like... carriage. <laughs> I feel like Nikki's going to be dropping a lot of really choice 1920 slang terms, and I'm just going to be saying I don't have a night. I don't have a notepad open right now with a bunch of different terms at all. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Well, there's uh, nothing else people would like to elaborate on as far as who you are, where you're from. Then let's get into it. It's April 12th, 1926, a quarter past 8 p.m. The SS Essex County regularly travels between Innsmouth to Rockport, carrying both passengers and cargo back and forth. Dusk is quickly turning to night as waves crash aggressively into the side of the vessel. Wind whips about the decks and against the paned windows of the passenger area. A bell hanging above the door quietly chimes as wave after wave rhythmically rocks the boat. Locals knew that a storm was brewing and many worked their schedules to avoid taking the boat ride to Rockport that night, but a few brave souls decided to take their chances or had more important business to attend to. A sign hangs on a cork board just within the door to the passenger area. Come meet the amazing Lorenzo Capini, a name you'd expect to hear 15 years ago. In fact, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it. Now the name is all but a sundry echo of the person it once represented, a man trying to reestablish his place in the world and reinvigorate his passion for performance. Please describe yourself, Lorenzo. Lorenzo Capino. Famed performer of the catching bullet trick. Come 
Look at me. And in worst were my travels of the world, I can captivate your deepest thoughts and imagination. For a mere five cents, I might even show you the secret. Lorenzo sits at one of the larger tables, alone, his vision of the night playing differently in his head, laughing around a table full of people, regaling them with stories of his travels. Another man, sitting nearby in the corner seat of a bench, couldn't be more disinterested in being here. His right leg up on the seat, with his arm outstretched across his knee, his left foot planted firmly on the ground. He rolls a toothpick around his teeth with his left hand as he peers out the window from under his fedora. Alex, who are we looking at? You see a man. He's wearing white button-down shirt, some nice black slacks, a nice black tie, and a absolutely soaked tan trench coat. His blonde hair and his unshaven face are quite weighed down with the water. In his hand is a packet of cigarettes that have become so waterlogged that they are useless. He rolls the toothpick back and forth between his teeth because he's unable to get his nicotine fix. His eyes staring blankly ahead of him, just counting down the moments until this god-awful boat ride is over. A particularly large wave hits the side of the vessel, knocking the toothpick from his mouth and onto the dingy floor. He looks at it in disappointment and mutters to himself, Can't wait to get out of this shithole of a city. At another small wooden table across the room, you see a handsome man with a small stack of books towards the far side of the table. A couple more books are open and spread out, and a leather-bound journal in front of him. He drags his finger across one of the texts to keep his place as he looks to his journal and pencils furiously. Closes one book and exchanges it with one in the middle of the stack. A large leather handbag between his feet. Who is this dashing young man? Uh, so we're looking at uh, Dr. Stuart Ritter, uh, who's got, uh, he's tall, uh, who is not like obviously muscular, but has a kind of like, uh, you know, manly barrel chested build. Um, uh, and is dressed like a college professor. He's got a, a, a tweed jacket on, uh, slacks, and a kind of collared shirt. And uh, I, I think as he closes a book, uh, he looks around and says, Well, now that the bibliography's finished, I suspect I can get on with the paper. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sort of begins to close his journal as he looks towards sketches of, uh, I don't know, things he hopes to discover here in Rockford. His eye full of whimsy and excitement as he looks out at the stars outside the, uh, the cabin into the night sky. Dr. Ritter takes a moment to ponder something in his head. Looks up, presses the end of the pencil to his lip, and stares into the distance. The other passengers can see as he stumbles across an aha moment as his eyes widen and he continues to furiously scribble again in his journal. Nearby, Dr. Ritter, is another passenger an impatient woman sitting in the bench, legs crossed as her foot bounces in the air, audibly sighing every so often as if to passive-aggressively make the ship go faster. She pulls an ornate pocket watch from her right coat pocket and tilts her head back in disbelief as if time is moving slower to spite her. She gets up, paces back and forth out of boredom. What does this character look like? Well, Hazel is wearing a very prim and proper business suit. 
and she does of course look very ladylike and appropriate and there's a cigarette also between her fingers that is not lit she's super well put together despite her pacing so the click clacking on the floor is probably a little obnoxious to those around her she uh, pulls out a some paper from her pocket and then just to make sure it's still there and stuffs it back in she's just like why why today Hazel is pacing for no more than 30 seconds before she sits back down again and lets out another sigh as the three other passengers all momentarily pause what they're doing to look at her Hazel gets the hint nods in acceptance and tries to be silent for the remainder of the trip at this point the wind has picked up and a torrential downpour alternates between cascading off the roof to hitting the windows sideways as gusts of wind carry the rain about. A few times, Dr. Ritter can be seen with his hand outstretched, firmly holding down the stack of books in anticipation of a particularly strong wave about to hit. A small period goes by where the rain and wind almost seem to let up a little when out of nowhere, the ship abruptly almost seems to come to an, a stop except for the slight back and forth rocking of the waves dr ritter's books slide off the table brandon grabs <laughs> brandon grabs both sides of the bench and has to plant his second foot oh my second foot <laughs> lorenzo <laughs> is flung forward taking the table edge to the gut and hazel places one firm hand on the bench seat and drops her pocket watch as she goes to check the time again what do you guys do? Uh, Stuart is too much of a gentleman uh, to try to pick up his own books before he notices the woman across from him watches at the floor. And he scrambles for that purse and, uh, and would like to pick up the watch. And, uh, Miss, I believe you've dropped this. And he'll kind of hang it and give a, oh, a charming smile that the, the starlight reflects off of. Thank, thank you. Uh, she takes it and she's like, I'll just keep it in my pocket, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't bad. think looking at it will make us go any faster. If only. Perhaps the companion can interest you in a trick. Most mysterious. Not being invited, but crashing in the group nevertheless. Hazel's <laughs> just gonna, like, give him a look and go, a trick? Yes, yes. Like... I have practiced many in the magical arts. Hand me that watch and I can make it appear right behind your head. I think I've heard that one and I think the watch got stolen. How can I know I'm going to get it back? Yeah, I suspect you cannot with us, someone who participates in the chicanery of anti-scientific illusions in magic. I don't like you. We're gonna have to go ahead and establish that, Andy. I like you as a person, but uh, I think I think I, it'll be fun for me to not like magic illusionists. <laughs> you watch. Uh, you watch as Brandon waves his hand. Hey, handsome guy, stuff it. I want to see this guy make that 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 girl's uh, watch disappear. Go Someone. ahead. If you are oh. so easily entertained and amused, <laughs> what Give else we have watch. to do? <laughs> he takes off his uh, wristwatch that's around him, and goes, "All right." I want to see you make it appear behind my head. And then if, uh, if it's not broken and uh, comes back in one piece, then I won't, uh, what's the word, break your knees and make you wish you were never born. <laughs> oh, my. This amazing Lorenzo Capini has never been treated in such a way. I was everywhere. You shall see. You shall see. 
I'll make sure you're everywhere uh, if you uh, mess up my watch. I'm sure he's just a wet blanket. <laughs> you see two crew members <laughs> run up from the lower decks, run past the passenger area to the front of the ship where the helm and the captain are, and they disappear to the front of the ship. Brandon stands up. He opens his trench coat, and he flashes his badge to him, and he puts it back. He's like, I'm going to go uh, check out what's what's going on. You you kind people, stay back here. And then he takes a long uh, well, look Lorenzo. I know a thing or two about boats. I am a first, biologist. My amazing trick. <laughs> I do. I, I like the idea very much of us exiting the room <laughs> while Lorenzo continues the trick. <laughs> Let's see how talented you are. I'll be outside. If it's behind my head while I'm uh, an entire room and a whole boat's length away from you, you will truly be, uh, what'd you say you were? The all right Lorenzo Capini? Yeah, we'll say that. That's yeah. That sounds good to me. <laughs> the mediocre Lorenzo Capini? <laughs> I have never been treated in this way as I grew <laughs> Um, so I think if you're on the eight, the eight o'clock boat to Rockport, you have been treated in this way perhaps many times before. <laughs> you will see. As this uh, discussion boils, Brandon's just going to leave his pocket watch with this charlatan and we'll follow to see where the crew's gone. Hey, free pocket watch. <laughs> uh, Brandon opens the door outside of the passenger area to the main part of the ship. Gust of wind almost throws it into his face, smashing the bell at the top. Torrential rain starts pouring into the passenger area, running across the floor where all of Dr. Ritter's books are. Oh, no. Well, good thing I finished the bibliography. <laughs> I'm definitely rolling for the pocket monster whenever I get a chance. Um... <laughs> I'll, so I'll, I'll start walking towards it. Let's see what's happening back in the cabin. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and roll me a sleight of hand check for that uh, that trick, that pocket watch trick. Or so the, I have an illusionist watch. trick, too. So it's the same skill. It's a matter of which one you want. Okay. Oh, this is probably not good. It's not a trick. trick. It's an illusion, Michael. It's a failure. It's a bad failure. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> what, what'd, you, what'd you roll? 93. <laughs> oh, he's oh, <is> in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you go to try your trick. Clearly, it's just like hanging out of the, your sleeve. <laughs> and, a charlatan um, and a fake, like all others like him, I say as I squeegee and bring out a book. I was good once. I was good once. Oh, I believe it. I believe it, you old fool. No one would dress like you do if you didn't actually know how to do a magic trick. So Brandon is braving the deck, grabbing onto the rail, making his way up to the front of the ship as he approaches the door to the helm. The two crew members run past him in the opposite direction, and the captain steps outside right as Brandon gets to the door. As the crew members run by, Brandon's going to take out his gun that he's been hiding in his shoulder holster. And uh, lower it, but at the ready, because he just watched them run with all matter-of-fact past him, and now they're running the other direction, and now he's concerned. Roll an intelligence check. Oh, no. (laughs) 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 All right. That is is a, a five under 65. Okay. So... You go to grab your gun, 
and you put your hand on it and you're getting ready to unholster it and as the two crew members run past you you see them run to one of the rowboats strapped to the side of the ship and they're preparing to lower it into the water I checked the deck. Is there another rowboat that is available or just there's the one? There's multiple rowboats, um, but they're preparing it. And the captain steps out of his room and sees you. And he says, good, sir. Why, why are you out of the passenger area? I was just coming to see you. We need to evacuate the ship. I, I'm very sorry, but we're, we're taking on water. He pulls out his badge and goes, I'm a bureau agent. I appreciate what you're trying to do here. I'm going to go grab the rest of the rest of the passengers in the back, and we should uh, make a immediate egress. That sounds wonderful. Let's go. By the way, I will be helping uh, who had the books? Dr. Ritter. Yeah, I'll be helping Dr. Ritter pick up his books so they don't get wet. Uh, Stuart, please. <laughs> Dr. Ritter was not my father because he wasn't a doctor, but it still gives me painful memories of a father who didn't really love me. Um, so <laughs> Hazel's just like, that's a little too much information. I'm sorry, I am an honest man of science and truth, and I disclose all. I believe that's for the best. So I'm interested now, like, the boat's, like, teetering and stuff, right? I mean, we're obviously not ship ship. Yeah, at this so... Dr. Ritter or Stuart knows a lot about sailing and how to sail. So I think at this point, he would sort of start to realize that this is like bad um, and might approach like the, 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 the top of the or, or out to the cabin as well and see what's happening. Yeah. So as you um, pick up all your books, slide them into your, your leather handbag, you throw it over your shoulder and you're getting ready to walk out of the passenger area when the captain and Brandon show up right there at the same time. And the captain uh, tells you guys the same thing. Uh, I'm very sorry, but we, we are taking on water. We we need to evacuate immediately. I'm so very sorry. Uh, my, my two crew members are uh, preparing the boat. We we must see that you get off to safety first, and then we will we will evacuate after. And I is assume, anything... Captain, you will be going down with the ship as his honorable, right? Absolutely. And he pulls <laughs> a gun out, and he has his revolver. He clicks it out. There's one bullet in it, and clicks it back, and then puts it back in his coat. Good God. My God, man, I was joking, but you do you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let's, do, let's get out of here. Let's not sink. Um, That's so dark. <laughs> I, I had a feeling someone was going to make the go down with the, the ship joke. Yeah. <laughs> so you armed the NPC with a revolver. With one yeah. Yeah, great. Just a single bullet, you know. As um, long as it would have been funny, though, if he was just like, no, you're going down with the ship. <laughs> I thought that. I thought he was going to shoot himself like in like in front of no, us just for a minute. Right in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would have been better. No, turn him back from this. <laughs> He just kneecaps Lorenzo, and he's like, you're going down with the ship. Yeah, you're there's the only bit six now. spots. There's only six spots, or six spots on that boat. <laughs> Let's see who gets there first. I call Dave. Lorenzo is a little, as he's flamboyant and a little eccentric, not picking up on things. He's like, oh, I, good man, I would like to show you the trick that made me famous. I could catch that bullet if you give me one shot to prepare. <laughs> He, he kind of like looks at you and like cocks his head to the side and just kind of shakes his head and come on, we need to evacuate now. Uh, Brandon yeah, will kind of egg people on, but also follow the captain's orders. 
So, Captain... Go and hold the door open until everybody leaves. Oh, and then I, I obviously... Yeah, we, we have a stare down at the end to figure out which is the more <laughs> more concerned about other people's lives. And Hazel own. goes first. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to think that while there's this honor system going on between Dr. Ritter and the Captain, Brandon's going pretty fast and Hazel's going fast, Lorenzo takes some coaching to get through because he's... He's showboating. He doesn't realize this is an emergency situation. <laughs> Leave the buffoon behind. Uh, he's like pulling scarfs out of his sleeve. He's like, this reminds me of my greatest trick. And like starts unraveling a bunch of shit from his sleeves. <laughs> and as he does Unless that. Unless you've got a boot up that sleeve, I recommend you come on. Brandon's um, Wisrotch falls out of it to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that, like, somewhere I'm like, Mickey Rooney, oh, the way will treat me. <laughs> so as you guys leave the passenger area, the crew are just about finished preparing the rowboat to, to, to hit the water. And you can see that the level of the deck of the ship is getting closer to the level of the water. You are clearly sinking. Can I look over? Do we say what we hit or what caused this? captain now you he did not say but you can uh i mean it's it's really stormy there's like tumultuous waves it is torrential downpour very windy but uh, sir roll. i am a scientist uh, <laughs> i am unafraid of these conditions the truth you can roll me a spot hidden or uh if you have pilot boat oh i do have pilot boat i don't believe that my uh spot is any higher Oh, no, it's way higher. It's 60, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> and other people can roll a spot hidden or a listen check. Just let me know what you're rolling. Brandon, like, he's going to be... The rain's whipping past, so is the wind. He's going to be looking towards the bow of the boat uh, to see if he can discern what's going on as well. So I have a success. Uh, 52 versus 60. Okay. Uh, Hazel oh, rolled a spot hidden and got a 38 out of 50. And the, the amazing Capini failed. <laughs> <laughs> amazing my boot. I'm going to start slowly changing your name in game to just like slowly, like the as, great, as you success or fail. Yeah. I'm just going to change the amazing <laughs> prefix. My dear friend, you don't know why they called me the amazing Capini. Certainly not for looking for obstacles that we've hit with the ship. That's yeah. for sure. Um, it's amazing so... how much you fail. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be rolling like him at the end of the session when he says probably. Him, so we should probably yeah, he's going to be the one him. survivor. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Doctor Ritter and Hazel both see. Oh, uh, and Brandon as well. Sorry, I didn't hear you tell me what your roll was. I got Either a sixty-one Alex. under sixty-five. That's my fault. Thank you. So, Brandon, Dr. Ritter, and Hazel, you all see that you are kind of in, like, a rocky outcropping. And you, as the boat rocks back and forth, you can hear the grinding of the metal hole on rocks as it had run upon some rocks and is taking on water and sinking because of that. Captain, are you aware of the typical undersea geological features in this area? He puts a flask back in its pocket. <laughs> oh. No. Now, um, 
he tells you and he points over to where Beacon Island is mm-hmm. and he tells you uh, I'm very sorry but I, I believe that the 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 lighthouse has gone out and we were trying to stay close to shore and not venture too far out into the ocean because of the storm and we just hugged hugged the outcropping a little bit too close it was it was a honest mistake and uh, hopefully someone can get out there and fix the the beacon the the lighthouse beacon as soon as possible it i think it's best that you guys take your rowboat over there it's it's closer than getting back to folly point and you should encounter the lighthouse keeper and his two helpers while you're there and he uh, kind of points in the direction that you guys should be rowing to it's it's probably about 35 to 50 yards away so I know something about the natural world. Don't know if that's relevant here. As a well-traveled magician, that's flamboyant and claims to know many things. Um, I'm going to assume that I know something about the natural world. And Capini, who sits there, this will actually got a 32 compared to a 50. <laughs> okay. So what do you? What type of information are you? I think to what I'm trying to sit here is that I imagine that beings on many of trips that I know something about rock formations and maybe a little bit of is this what the you know maybe okay. something about like where we should steer. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you can you can argue that with uh, Dr. Ritter, who is an experienced and avid boater. Maybe you can be the. Uh, I'm deeply torn look out. between my <laughs> my hate of everything Lorenzo stands for and uh, being a gentleman and and not like letting him die here. But I'm happy to jump on a boat uh, and and like captain it. And if anyone wants to jump on the boat with me, Hazel's can... already on the boat. I just say I like to think that Brandon and Hazel are just hanging out next to each other, watching all this tomfoolery happen. Yeah, sitting in the boat waiting for it to get lowered. I think, I'm going to tell Dr. Ritter, I think, based on traveling in the world, that we should go there, even though Dr. Ritter probably is like, of course, stupid. <laughs> and, yes, and the, the captain of the boat just told you. is the right one, yeah. The, the one that we have been instructed to go to and is obviously the closest. Uh, though I am very handsome, I do have skinny scientist arms. Uh, so, I guess we're, yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's all hop in a boat and head out. Is it a rowboat? Yes. I would suggest stepping in and not hopping. Hopping may tip that may tip it uh, But when you have sea legs like mine, Miss, you don't you don't have to worry. And I think he but does jump in and slip and fall right on his those butt, skinny like. those skinny scientist arms won't be able to pick you back up into the boat when you fall into the really cold water. Were, that's not what they're for. They are for examining the natural world, not for helping me about it. So I imagine you will need somebody to throw this boat. And Brandon sitting there with the oars in his hands because he's yes. quite a stout fellow listening to this person like offered a row yes, while sir, can you rain is battering him. <laughs> Just waiting for this asshole to jump in. I am coming in. <laughs> so as the four of you get into the rowboat and they start lowering you into what remains the distance from the, the deck to the the water level the captain yells over the side of the boat head to beacon island look for george cassidy 
He's likely trying to repair the, the lighthouse beacon. It's like he should be able to give you shelter until the storm passes. I, uh, Hazel calls back. Did you just say Cassidy? Yes, George Cassidy. Is that, is that him oh, just saying? Like, yeah, and he, and he backs off. The, he backs off the, the deck. He just like closes the and door. And then you hear, and then three seconds later, you hear a gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hear, damn it, my foot. <laughs> shed no tears, shed no tears. He's done his duty. We row on. Hazel's so, just like face palming right now. <laughs> just hear the complaints of a captain with an injured foot as we row yeah. away. <laughs> Brandon's strong enough to get us there. I have an 85. I am as strong as Stuart is handsome. Woo. You're actually stronger than I am handsome. And don't you forget it. <laughs> I won't, as, as most handsome people do. Yeah, ruining this mug, that would be bad for me. Hazel's also maker. pretty strong, but I'm not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Because she's a lady. No, because I think she's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's more likely, yeah. Uh, all right. So you guys start rowing through the tumultuous water towards Beacon Island. Oh, God. This, this water is tumultuous. Oh, so tumultuous. <laughs> you get close to what you can make out to be a dock on the north side of the island. But as soon as you get within maybe 20-ish feet of it, your boat, you feel it grind up on to some type of material. And you kind of, you get stuck on it. And you use the oars and you try to push off the different surfaces that you can find under the level of the water. It's still pouring rain and the waves are tossing you about and you just can't seem to get past this area. Roll me a boat check, a pilot boat check. Alright. I have a, a pretty low one, but I do have one. And I will say that Dr. Dr. Ritter can roll it as well or assist you in it yeah like maybe i'm like struggling with both oars so I, I relieve one oar just to get to the other and he grabs the one that's uh come out of my hand yeah sure i'll, I'll try to give you a little bit now you gotta go with the current boy with the current um <laughs> just like my unhelpful father taught me <sighs> 32 i'm actually going to use 12 luck points to push that to a success because it seems critical 32 and 32. you're using I have a pilot oh, have a 20? I have a 20 yeah Ooh. so I'm going to push it 12 points down for my luck pushing my luck to 48 from 60 and make sure that's a success you're not even going to see what Dr. Stuart Ritter does you're just going <laughs> to uh, it, it seems fairly critical but yeah. I, I could wait and see what he does uh, that would be a failure my uh, boat my boat piloting is a 40 um, okay how does the, so how does the pushing work okay or well, you can push because you're much closer yeah, I'm much closer because I'm at a 20. So I'll push yeah. it. I'll use 12 luck points to push that to a success. Okay. Well, so, yeah. So pushing the roll is doubling. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Using luck points yeah. then to so, get the success. So, yeah. So you can push, but if you miss again, then it counts as a critical fail and something bad could happen. But if Brandon is spending luck points to push it to a success, got it. Then you probably don't need to do that unless... He's going to shift the eye look at Hazel, who seems like a very lucky person, as he like manages to get us <laughs> off these rocks. 
<laughs> As she sits there, I assume you're doing great. Crossed. What does luckiness look like? I was just uh, thinking her hair isn't like messed up in the storm or something. Her hair looks oh. spectacular despite it being drenched. Right. She looks immaculate. Those those look terrible, and she just looks great. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Everyone else is like holding their coat over her head, and <laughs> the two seamen that lowered us down instead of rowing are sheltering her from the storm. Exactly. Um, oh, thank you. That's lowest. so sweet of you. <laughs> and Lorenzo, with the lowest luck points, has a four comb over that's really showing. <laughs> Male pattern baldness is not a joke. <laughs> Just a solid horseshoe. <laughs> um, okay, so Brandon is able to push off one of the the pieces that he that the boat had gotten stuck on and you guys are able to make it past that towards the dock. Um, once we get to the dock, Hazel's just going to go, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this George Cassidy that was mentioned, is someone I know. So let me, let me talk to him. If it is. May I ask how you know him? No, you may not. Well, I mean, you may, but I'm not going to answer you. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> a, a lady is entitled to her secrets, and I would never attempt to transgress. Uh, we're, we're past co-workers. Would you describe this Mr. Mason as irresponsible? Uh, Mr. Cassidy, and uh, more... <laughs> oh, uh, well, you know, words. <laughs> <laughs> Um, more poor decision-making than anything. It is well within his character to leave a lighthouse unattended in a deep, dark storm, is what you would say. While this is all happening, Brandon is mooring the boat, and he kind of walks up and hears the conversation. Ah, so you know uh, Mr. Cassidy, then. I I think I know the the lighthouse keeper, Michael Tanner. He should be inside, uh, but he's not as good with... uh, Lights, I guess. So it's a it's a it's a different guy. But, Why uh, would I'm sorry? The lighthouse keeper's not good with lights. N- no, he's really good at being secluded and not going crazy, though. Uh, that's his like main skill set. Oh, I mean that's good. an important skill I'm set. I'm sure someone like tested that on him. Uh, good, and then just stuck him out here to do this thing. Okay, uh, like as as someone who makes his living like going on vessels and voyages and stuff like this, I think. Stuart is getting more and more freaked out. Like, there's just too many abnormal things about this. But there's no guarantee he's going to be there. Miss, if you could lead the way, perhaps uh, Mr. Cassidy could uh, be of the utmost help. Sure. I can do that. Giving me great inspiration for my next trick. (laughs) My next trick? I have a trick for you. I hope it's that you walk into the storm and never come back. (laughs) Um. <laughs> ah, a classic disappearing act. Oh my god, <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> what, what, what's your trick, ma'am? What, uh, what do you have, uh, working in the background? Oh, I was just gonna throw him in the water. <laughs> and I also like to think I, uh, Brandon reaches into a shoulder holster and rubs the the handle of his gun, and he just goes, "Not yet." Soon. Soon. <laughs> Calming your gun. <laughs> Itching for action. Um, so you guys moor the boat, and you are able to 
climb off it onto the northern pier on Beacon Island. Lying directly to the south, you see a small cottage that is attached to the base of the lighthouse. It's where George Cassidy and the other lighthouse attendants stay and keep it or try to keep it in functioning order. Looking directly at the cottage, you see there's a door. Let me switch to a another map for you. So in the bottom right corner, the circular part obviously is the lighthouse and then attached to it is the cottage. And you see from where you're standing, the looking at it, the window to the left has a light on and it's kind of flickering. And you can kind of make out a little bit of it bleeding out into a hallway and through the front door, which is slightly ajar. Brandon holsters his gun, holds it low towards his waist, pointed to the ground. He looks at everyone in the party and goes, I think it's important that we uh, go through this with great care. Capini, why don't you go inside? (laughs) (laughs) Bye, good man. And Capini's actually a well-educated man, surprisingly, so you haven't seen that side of him yet. Um, pretty high intelligence. So I'm actually going to roll either a stock check or an intelligence check to see if some, like, just to see if there's any details as he's mulling his pencil-thin mustache about the quest. <laughs> Between his finger and thumb. Gross. Yeah. So I'm going to swap back to the other kind of Beacon Island view map. So do so, you want me to roll? Oh, which one should I roll on that? Um... So what are you trying to do specifically? I'm trying to just ascertain a situation. Um, okay. Just um, take it roll, in. Yeah, roll me a spot. So actually, everybody. So as you guys are walking down the path, the path you see kind of uh, rolls around the outside of the cottage and back to... Uh, the backside of the lighthouse but there is a little path that goes off to where the front door on the cottage is and that's where you guys are kind of approaching Um, everybody roll me a spot hidden check I got 19 under 65 I got a hard success okay failure for everybody else yeah (laughs) so did the manga go through okay maybe it was too many. Maybe there's too many at once. Okay. No, okay. you went through. You got fifty. You, you got over fifty-five. Yeah. You. Yeah. You barely missed it. But. Um, the great so, Capini, blind again. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's just raining a little too hard, um, and the the eyeliners getting in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Brandon, being an FBI agent trained in. Uh, tracking he he looks down at the the foot of the doorway on the outside and it's it's pretty muddy out and he sees two sets of footprints he sees deep boot prints from a 
man. And on top of that, he sees smaller, almost webbed, duck-like footprints over that. And the longer you guys spend out here with the rain coming down, it starts to get more and more blurred as to where these footprints lead. Brandon's going to immediately grab for the doctor. Hey, Duakta, uh, because you made such a show on the boat uh, about uh, being a marine biologist and your ability to to look at things that involve the sea. I'm very good at looking at them, yes. Well, perhaps you may have not noticed the, I assume, web-footed creature that has come by, and he points down to the boot prints, and then he points next to the strange and odd prints. Do you have any idea what those are? Uh, of course I, of course I do. Um, a <laughs> so moment, roll... please, as I, like, yeah, get out a magnifying glass and try to look. Yeah, and, and ponder it over. Uh, roll me a either nature world or science biology or zoology. So what's wild to me is, uh, j- just a note about these things, so my, uh, my nature uh my nature world is a, is a 10. It's like terrible. So you would think like a zoo, you'd think like a marine biologist, like no better, but my, uh, but my zoology and my bio and my, uh, other stuff are, are sixties. So I'll roll that. No. Oh, all right. The Dr. Richter is struggling. The great Capini is going to go. I kind of hey, want mustache. This, what, uh, what are those, uh, what are those footprints? Oh. <laughs> oh no, no! This has to happen. This has to be the way it works. Is that Lorenzo Capini's got to show me up like really hardcore? Right. As I, I love see, the way like, this is working out. It's yeah, that's like... too great. <laughs> I think like, it, can you describe these footprints? Like they're very large or, or something like along those lines of webbed feet. Like they're as big as the boot prints or something. Yeah, they're pretty large. They're just as big, uh, just as long. So the the boot prints are coming away from the door and heading kind of south southeast uh fo- kind of following the path but then like they s- you see that they slightly break away ca- into uh this like wooded area okay the- so i i i think before you you tell <laughs> lorenzo what the right thing is uh stuart like gets up off his hands and knees doesn't mind getting dirty in the in the rain uh and it's like i know exactly what this is i've seen it several times Hooligans <laughs> would be illusionists and magicians who attempt to fool the average common man, unscientifically trained, by imitating the footprints of monstrous creatures like what I assume here they intended to be a very large duck. <laughs> and uh, let's make haste to the lighthouse and sleep. <laughs> And Lorenzo takes a closer look because he clearly doesn't believe any of the dribble falling out of your mouth. And he sees that that these footprints on top of the boot prints are very large. They're just as long as the boot prints and even wider at the the toe. And they're webbed. And you can clearly see... Um, kind of like a three-toed situation and webbed between. And they are 
on top of the boot prints, so you can deduce that they were created after, and they are following the boot prints into the wooded area. Leah, I have put up with your rudeness for a month, Dr. Ritter, and this is where Caffini drops his fake accent. I may <laughs> be a charlatan at magic, but actually I am quite well educated. This is no creature I'm with, but any moron with half a biology degree would clearly know that there is no duck with this, and I begin to explain to <laughs> begin to explain to the good agent some of the key insight that I have gleaned from our keeper. I, th- I think just Stuart stews and steams like off to the side because he recognizes that it's the truth, but he won't contradict it. Like he's, he's just like, of course, like this is a footprint on top of a pr- footprint, but like, uh, but you shouldn't have figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was my discovery. Yeah. Okay, so that's what you see. The door to the cottage is slightly ajar. The light, uh, looking at the cottage, the light in the left window is on, and the boot prints and webbed footprints go into the thicket. Where would you like to go? Uh, Brandon's going to stand there, um, kind of check inside and then turn to Hazel and just be like, I think you might be our best bet here to see if we can't contact the individual that's in charge right now. Um, Hazel will like walk up to the door and just knock on it. So you go to knock on it and it's not latched. It's very, very slightly ajar and you knock on it and it kind of moves and opens up a couple inches, but you don't see or hear you don't see any movement inside. You don't hear any movement for all intents and purposes. Just seems like nobody's in the cottage right now. All right. Um, I'll push the door open a little bit just to like glance inside. I'm not going to like step in or anything. It's more like, is anybody home, Cassidy? Um, let me swing you guys back over to the cottage on roll 20. Can I, can I send you a little GM thing, Paul? Sure. Okay, I'm going to send you a little GM. So you put your left hand on the door and slowly open it up. And die. <laughs> you take a crossbow <laughs> bolt to the chest. Brandon just looks at her dead body. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so you see down this hallway, the only light in the hallway is what's spilling out from the room to the right here. And you see a couple other doors. They're all mostly open, but it's pretty dark. You can't really see much else going on in there. Um, But you do see just past the doorway, there are a set of three hooks on the wall with three oilskin coats. Well, places for three oilskin coats. You see one of the coats is missing. There's a pan at the bottom that have two pairs of boots and a third pair of boots you assume should be there, but you see a pair of indoor shoes next to it. And then another three set of hooks that have lanterns on them, but two of the lanterns are there, one is missing. So based off that, you can you can see that someone had put on their boots, 
grabbed a lantern, grabbed their coat, and left the cottage. Okay. Um, so I will look back behind me and go, at least one person's out, which we already knew from the footprints. Um, we can look in here to see if the other two are here, perhaps? Weren't there three? There, I think there's three of them. There's really, I know of at least two. Um, and I grab one of the lanterns so we have some light. That's smart. Brandon's going to just have his pistol at the ready, making sure that he's not poking at the back of uh, Hazel, but like looking over both of her shoulders as she kind of takes the lead. Um, I'll walk in and glance into the room that's lit. Yeah, so you peek your head into this room and you see that it is a study. So immediately when you walk in, to the left you see a table. Directly in front of the doorway you see a small roll-top desk. There's another door to the right that you don't know where it leads and you can see the window on the north wall leading to the outside. Well, there's a. I'm gonna walk in, um, and look at what's on the desk. See if I can recognize like Cassidy's handwriting or anything like that. Okay. So the yeah the roll top desk is closed right now. So you you want to open it? Yes. Okay. So you put now a I hand. On the knob, <laughs> and it electrocutes you. Um, the old could you do? Because it's just like, what? What? What's in there? <laughs> um, How did you die? A desk. <laughs> a desk. It wasn't a mimic either. You put your hand on the the knob to open the roll top desk, and you roll it up, and you see on the desk. You see that there is a half-empty, still warm mug of coffee. There are a bunch of different slips of paper, notes, a bunch of different writing utensils, envelopes, stamps, invoices for uh, coin appraisals as you kind of like pick up a stack of the, the invoices and look them over. A lot of stationery and utensils for sending out letters, essentially. And I'm assuming the coin appraisals are in Cassidy's handwriting. Yeah, so because you are an acquaintance, uh, a friend of Cassidy, you would be able to recognize his handwriting. Well, I also you, have a letter. Yeah, and plus him. you have the letter at, to to compare it to to double check. Um, but yeah, so you see, you see all of those things, and you're able to ascertain that he was uh, okay. trying to get some coins appraised that he had found. Cheating on me. Weird. Um, I will glance at the door assuming the Brandon followed. I did. I am I'm right behind you. As you were looking over the desk, he reaches out and touches the cup of coffee and feels that it is warm, warm. And then he picks it up and he... Uh, he drinks it. Takes a swig. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. while we have a fugitive, what is uh, Dr. Ritter and the Great Catini doing? 
Yeah, I was just going to uh, see what you, you guys around, are doing. I think uh, Stuart is not there anymore. Um, because after getting kind of shown up by Capini, he's following those footprints. Uh, he kind of wants to know where that is. His whole reason for being here is potentially to discover a new species of something. This is what you do in the 1920s is name something after yourself and publish an article about it um, from, from an area. So this could be a big fucking duck. I know it's ever found a big fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> I know first and foremost, you should always split the party. So I'm glad that this is happening. Oh, well, hey, I'm just playing the character. I'm not trying to increase <laughs> drama or anything. So do do I did anybody notice you leave or do I want to try to notice you leave? Uh, I don't know. I I I I would leave that up to you or I would leave that up to Paul to decide if someone dead. I I would not have informed you. I'm mad. I'm kind of Yeah, I mean it it sounds like Hazel and and Brandon were a little preoccupied with trying to figure out what's going on inside of this cottage and maybe your little uh feud has Lorenzo kind of keeping the corner of his eye on you. And so, yeah, as you kind of stay in the back while Brandon and Hazel are going into the cottage, he he does catch you following the footprints. Could I grab one of those coats that are in like on the inside of the door and then have like made my way back out to search? And you can yeah. kind of see that the coat is gone. Um, and, and that, you know, my silhouette is walking away. Yeah, we can do that. All right, cool. Yeah. This is, this puts me in an in position. The great Capini is a great observer of people. So clearly I do not want to go with the dog. So and naturally. <laughs> Nothing like not, a three, one split. <laughs> and so naturally at the same time, I am curious as being intrusive what the other two are doing. So I walk in there because now I have a reason to doing so and go the good doctor has taken upon himself to go track the foot though I am curious to know what you all are doing trying to put on a fake accent of how the doctor likes to a different fake a, a different a, a different accent <laughs> that you had like, completely different European accent I love it oh yeah what you all doing in there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. have you seen my great illusions <laughs> no, I think that he was kind of trying to go for make genteel. So you kind of hung out, kind of in the doorway, keeping an eye on uh, Doctor Ritter as he ventured out, kind of into the thicket. And during that time frame, Brandon and Hazel walked into the study, flipped up the roll top desks, saw the things that they saw, and then you walk in the room afterwards and. Yeah, you, you let them know that Dr. Ritter has took it upon himself to investigate the footprints and ask them what they are doing, what they've found. Brandon, Hazel, do you want to... Uh, Brandon's um, still in the middle of drinking his coffee. <laughs> we found a cup of warm coffee that... I was going to say, not his coffee. Let's be clear. He uh, apprehended... <clears throat> uh, no, there was no coffee uh, when I entered the room, and he throws the empty mug over his shoulder and it smashes on the floor. <laughs> it was just that broken mug. Whatever. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? This is going to sound very weird. This is going to sound very weird. Uh, what did you uh, What did you find on the desk? 
Uh, I saw you poking around over there. Um, I was confirming that... I was trying to confirm if it was Cassidy that was sitting here. Um, there's some paperwork and some invoices and stuff like that. The great Capini knows a thing or two about things. And so... Paperwork? About forging documents? <laughs> and he's going to look at the great Capini, and he's going to look past the great Capini, and just go, Hey, uh, great Capini, you, you know things about <clears throat> things, yeah. Uh, where'd the doctor go? in his esteemed wisdom took it upon himself to go and find this big duck I guess he's trying to prove that he is actually a marine biologist by naming something <laughs> I have a doctorate you, you, <laughs> you hear from outside somewhere pretty unbecoming of Brandon he's like well if he was a real marine biologist he'd understand that the waterfowl actually don't fall underneath that domain uh, a true zoologist would be able to make that distinction very strange uh, but there's not a true zoologist in this patty so uh, I'm gonna see if I can't find out where he's going that's really, called metagaming you don't understand Alex? how scientific publishing works I'm gonna find whatever it is <laughs> and then I'm gonna publish it <laughs> so, I think this is where the Capini, having a substantial knowledge of psychology, is actually going to appraise the situation. So there's writing, there's a warm mug. If, if the keeper is allowed and say, what is the motive of someone to go? Like, There's no warm mug. There are shards of a mug on the floor. <laughs> um, so I just sent you an appraise, but it was for a different reason. <laughs> I, is that what you would add a character with? Is that what you would use for like um, yeah, exactly. insight? Yeah, and so stuff like that? You, you kind of flip through uh, some of the uh, appraisals that he's received from a handful of different places in Rockport and Innsmouth. And you see that the quotes for the coins range anywhere from two to five dollars. Uh, they're all dated late February, um, and if you remember, today is April 26th, okay. so this is two-ish months ago. <laughs> Nothing new, then. Uh, yeah, and without knowing what the coins specifically are, it's hard for you to tell if that was a fair price, but a range of 2 to $5, like... That seems pretty, yeah, that seems like a big range for something like that. So you could, you could surmise that some might be lowballing and then some are probably actually fair offers. So. Cool. I'm um, for those listening, I got a 16 out of 35. Yeah, so the description of the coins, um, they are gold coins. And they are solid gold coins. Um, and that's the only description that he has written on them outside of um, kind of general dimensions and thickness to uh, kind of describe their size to the antique stores that are appraising them. This is going to sound weird. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Hazel is going to be like, no wonder they gave you a shitty quote. <laughs> this isn't a good description at all. Yeah. So, with a knowledge of art history or the occult, since I am a magician, be useful to figure out what this is very strange for a coin to be this expensive. Um, without 
Okay. I mean, they, they are solid gold, so they do fetch a good price just because of the material. But without actually getting your hands on one of the coins, um, it's hard for you to fully determine if yep. okay. if it is what they say it is. In uh, Cassidy's description in these uh, appraisals are kind of purposefully vague. So... Um, it seems like he was kind of trying to hide a little bit of what their meaning was. So that's why it's kind of reserved to just general dimensions, type of material, and like thickness. So then I'll do the one last thing just because we're in a cottage and everything's empty. You gotta do a spot hidden check. I'll There's make it to here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I'm gonna see if I actually spotted it. I don't think and, you did. And I did. The great companion fails again. Yeah. Don't worry, uh, Brandon's on it. But so also also with the roll top and desk, Hazel. there are two drawers in totally it. Totally open all the drawers. Okay. So you go to open the first drawer and it's locked. And you kinda <laughs> kneel down to kind of look in the keyhole. And you see that a key has been broken off in that lock. The second drawer. Damn it, I'm not good at locksmithing. (laughs) Is there any way, does Hazel, do you mention this? That there's Uh, a key broken off and it's stuck? I will, yeah, I'll say, damn it, the key is broken, it looks like. Can I try uh, to pry it open with a straight up strength check? Yes. Big man. So. Describe I, how you try to rip the drawer out of the desk. So what I do is I take the wooden chair, I assume that's in front of the desk, and I smash it into uh, bits of wood. I take the nice, longest, thinnest one that seems to be the most stout. I stick it into the top of the drawer, and I try to pry it open that way. Okay. Give me a strength check. Oh, yeah, brother. That was close. <laughs> Barely. <That> was... <laughs> Woo! 83 under uh, 85. Wow. So it was really long. You're able to. It'd be like, there is a crowbar right here. <laughs> Roll up? No. I forgot about the crowbar I keep in my handbag for hooligans and whatnot. Yeah, right. Hazel just has like four crowbars in a bag <laughs> that she's just ready to use at any time. Uh, so, yeah, you are able to find a nice shard of wood from the chair and make a nice wedge out of it and are able to pry the drawer open. Inside the drawer is a small journal. And on the cover of the journal, it's a small leather-bound journal, is a rough sketch of an obelisk. As you open the journal and kind of flip through it, Yes. Here you go. Handout. Boom. So. Zoom. Oh, oh, that's. Yeah. So if you scroll down past it, you can actually see the entries. So you don't have to (laughs) zoom in on the cursive (laughs) pictures. That's way better. Yeah. So they've all been transcribed. So can I roll an occult check for the obelisk? Uh, yes. Or a natural world, what should I do first? Should I read it out? That's actually it'll, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll, 
Well, let's do the occult check first, and then you can read through the entries. You can you can kind of like hang out in the study and read through the entries. Yeah, I flip through the book, and then I hand it over to Hazel, uh, just because she's the handwriting expert. So. Yeah, because so roll me. A, I rolled a ninety-two out of thirty, and because this is a one shot, and because this just has to be a little fun, I'm gonna double down. You're gonna push. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Roll again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, (laughs) you absolutely do not recognize the, the symbol in any shape, way, or form, and if anything are misidentifying it (laughs) as, I don't know, the lighthouse itself. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, that's, yeah, you're, you are unable to identify what the, the obelisk is stands for and you're like ah a lighthouse (laughs) look it has it's tall it has a top to it yeah (laughs) tall pointy sticks in the air okay and brandon finds this journal um and as you flip uh flip through it i handed it i handed it back to uh hazel to look over i'm looking looking through the drawers though clearly tell it is uh george cassidy's personal journal that he kept in that locked drawer so okay Uh, Let's swing back outside. Oh, oh no, I can change. Uh, sorry, I'm very busy reading, reading these journal entries <laughs> <laughs> that I'm actually not privy to. Yeah, but you're that, not. That's called, yeah. that's called metagaming. How dare and you? Not right. in my house. Well, now let's all remember that Nick is metagaming, but Doctor Stewart is deeply lost <laughs> in a scientific expedition <laughs> on this island. Yeah, mistaking waterfowl for common marine wildlife. <laughs> so let's swing back outside to Dr. Ritter follows the boot prints and the giant duck feet uh, away from the cottage and he sees that they lead directly into kind of the middle of uh, this dense thicket. (laughs) Well, they used to call me Briar Rabbit when I was a little kid, so... (laughs) Uh, I don't give no shits. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna head into the thicket. Uh, I like pull the hood up uh, on this little like oil slick cloak and uh, get my science on, and start okay. hunting for specimens. I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna find this thing. Yeah. So the the kind of longer you're out there, the the rain beating, the footprints, you're you're able to just make out that they lead into the thicket, and you make your way through the thicket, and you're pushing away branches and bushes, doing your best to um, kind of stay on on target. Roll me, you can pick either a listen check or a spot hidden check. I think it's going to be spot hidden for me. That's one of my better attributes. Hey, ho, success, 52 V60. So can you see like kind of where my ping yep. is? Yep, yep. So you are there kind of in the northern mm-hmm. th- uh thickest part of the thicket and to kind of like the very south side down here mm-hmm. you can see kind of silhouetted by um a little bit of backlight you can see a shadow kind of move across the back of the thicket but that's all you see and you see it out of the corner of your eye you don't even fully see it you're 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 on task and just out of the corner of your right eye it just flips across your vision and disappears 
Yeah, it runs a scant. Uh, good. Um, how big did that silhouette look? Yeah, it looked about as big as a man. It it wasn't short or uh, obscenely tall, but it was, you know, around the five and a half, six foot mark. Um, but you couldn't really get a good gauge on its like full size or anything like that. Sure. I think Stuart's just a little nervous enough that so it, it makes <laughs> literally no difference. I think for my uh, attacks. But I am going to take out the scalpel, the one weapon that I have uh, <laughs> from my dissection kit, and like kind of hold it in f- fist in hand. And so Stuart is caught in a deep kind of conjury right here. So like I've seen what I think might be a human, and so I do feel like I should call out to them. Uh, but at the same time, if I do, I might frighten the creature I wish to discover. So I'm going to yeah. do that very stupid horror movie bit where you whisper shout. Uh, <laughs> Who's and, there? Yeah, yeah. when I'm like, <laughs> Mr. C- Mr. Cassidy, Mr. Cassidy, I believe you are out here. I must ask you to refrain from movement and from frightening the creatures I wish to discover, which you did not discover, but that I will. <laughs> um, I am foolishly got to continue to approach that area and look around. Okay. So you start kind of rustling through um, and you take another dozen or so steps kind of towards the south and you start to see a mess of broken branches and bushes that have been squished and as you walk through that area you see a body lying in the dirt and it looks like his stomach has been completely ripped out of his body his entrails are splattered across the bushes and trees and pretty much from the bottom of his rib cage to his pelvis is completely ripped out and open to the point where he can see his spine through this this gruesome scene. Roll me a sanity check. Yeah, good. I love it. Oh, I'm so ready for sanity checks. I'm great for... Um... <laughs> oh, no! But I gotta do that. I mean, I gotta... It's a 62 versus 60, so can I spend some luck? No, so oh, luck, no. Or sanity check. damage is one of the things that you cannot spend luck on. All right, and I can't push it or do anything else. Like I'm just going to take Nope. Yep. yep. All right, let's so, do it. So roll a d4. So you take 1d4 plus 1 sanity damage. Okay. But Dr. Ritter is very weak-minded. Two sanity damage. One D four uh, plus one, so oh, three, plus three sanity, sanity damage. damage. Three sanity damage. So seeing this, you can tell that it is a human man. Just the sheer sight of seeing this man completely disemboweled shakes you to your core. So, I, I have um, sixty sanity. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm a very, very smart kind of guy. So, like, this doesn't do, like, a ton of damage to me as I get understand. So, I think I puke. 
Like, I think I think I see this stuff, and without, like, the formaldehyde and, and other things, hiding the the mask of just an open body and, and exposed stuff, Ritter just, like, rolls over to a thing and just pukes everywhere. And it's like, oh, God. Well. And then he slowly but surely picks himself back up, wipes his face, and says, Mr. Cassidy, I believe there is someone who would like to remake your acquaintance. Um, and he's sort of like, I guess he's going to look at the body to see if I can get something identifying off of him to see yeah. if uh, this is something that I could show back to the people back there. Uh, uh, and particularly, um, particularly should be able to show Hazel. Maybe that could be an identifying mark. Okay. So, yeah, so you kind of start looking over the body and um, it's going to seem pointless, but roll me a first aid or medicine check. Sure. <laughs> you can save him. <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> All right. First aid it is. Ooh. <laughs> That's awful. You can, can spend, you can, can spend I... luck on that. So you okay. can spend one point to make it a success. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and spend one luck point on that. I, I've got a fair amount of luck, so I think I will do that. Okay, and so being kind of a man of science and nature, you kind of start examining this wound for not lack of better terms, but to, to generously call it just a wound, you see that there are um, kind of like tear marks in the skin and mm. odd patterns of like teeth and claw marks. Like things I wouldn't recognize at all. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't seem like a normal type of like animal attack. Right. Like this is outside of the purview of even your expertise. I guess I've got to like grip that scalpel very hard and I've got to do it. Like I've got to look around the area and see where this thing has gone. Like what killed him and how long ago. Also, while you're kind of looking over the body and ascertaining all of that, roll me a spot hidden check as well. All right. Hey, okay. That's a success. 47. Okay. 60. So as you're kind of picking up, Flaps of his torso and examining. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> yep, yep. That was a part of his torso originally. I yeah. familiar with that anatomy. <laughs> so as you're picking up like flaps of his torso and like bits of skin and uh, innards, you come across a badge that is attached to his belt but had been kind of covered by, you know, part of this disastrous scene. And you take a look at this badge, and you see that it is an FBI badge. And it is named, you see the name on it, and it is Special Agent Warren Thomas. I'm very sorry, sir. You are not who I thought you were. And right next to it, you also find a pistol, a Smith & Wesson 38 Special with five bullets in it. Ah, neat. I, 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 I pick it up, uh, but I'm 
clearly do not know how to use it. Um, okay. Like, <laughs> I think that, like, Stuart probably picks it up by the barrel, you know, and, like, holds it like a CSI, like, kind of detective desk. Like, interesting. Wonderful. Yeah. I'll keep that in my back pocket just in case, Lee. Um, Looks in barrel to see if it has bullets. <laughs> right. Shoots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many? Is this the captain's gun? Um, and... I don't know. I feel like I've ascertained all I can here. I guess I will try to like start snaking back to the the house. And you and you see also next to him a broken lantern. You see he's wearing the the same oilskin coat that you took off the coat rack. Mm-hmm. You recognize the boots as the missing pair that was out of the hallway as well. So uh, let's go back to the study. So Brandon's still rifling through the drawers. He. He's taking some time. Maybe he's going through all, all the drawers he can find. He turns back to Hazel and just goes, uh, what does that, uh, what's the, the journal say? It seems that uh, Cassidy found some coins a couple of days ago and he was trying to figure out what they were worth. Um, it looks like the other two that lived here or live here, Michael and Smith. Uh, it looks like Smith left uh, two weeks ago without a word and then Michael went and it says that it was kind of weird because he didn't take any of his paintings with him um, but it looks like Cassidy was getting a little paranoid wait uh, sorry back up you you said Michael where 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 did Michael go um, on the 12th he went outside to check on something and that's and his sentence cuts off and you watch as Brandon stands bolt upright, his face kind of drains of color, and he runs out of the office through the front door and starts following uh, the what he saw were the footsteps, though they are more than likely gone at this point. There is a semi-fresh pair that you can track from Dr. Ritter. He steps outside, he runs. Uh, as he breaches the thicket, he pulls his gun from his holster water streaming over his face. He's using his free hand to wipe it away. And he goes, Warren! Warren Thomas! Where are you? If you're out here, let me know. And he just starts calling as loudly as he can into the dense thicket, trying to ascertain uh, if he's still out there or what may have happened. Kind of like losing the fact that Hazel made mention that this was weeks ago. Uh, Hazel will watch him leave and look over at Lorenzo and go I, I did say Michael right <laughs> pretty sure I said Michael I believe so <laughs> should, should we go after him something doesn't make sense here I am a magician for training what appears here may not be what we think and so I think this work opinion just takes a step back and say Something doesn't make sense. So I said I was going to do a spot hidden because I I don't know if you shared the journal with it, but I'm just trying to see, really trying to understand this. It doesn't make sense. Well, after I'm done reading, I can hand it to you. That's fine. Especially when I read the part that what, he's holding you... the hands on. I I think I think uh, it might be Paul's call. Can I can I get back to them in this amount of time? Can I enter the scene? 
Um, so this is kind of happening at the same time. So while they're kind of poking through this, you're also following the tracks. And then while they're opening the roll top desk and going through the journal, you're kind of seeing this mysterious figure. And then as they're reading through this journal, you're stumbling across this body. So as Brandon Drox, yeah, good. Yeah. So as Brandon Drox is running out into the thicket, yelling the name Warren Thomas, you had just picked up the badge and the gun, mm. and you hear what sounds like Brandon calling into the night. Uh, I, I think I will. Uh, so, like, I'm I've puked. This has been a kind of rough experience for me. I think it's kind of hard for me to call back, so I'm just going to start trudging in that direction of them. Maybe we can meet up. Okay. So, yeah, you start making your way back towards... Um, where Brandon is calling the direction you hear his voice coming from. And Brandon is doing his best to follow the same path that he sees you. Um, You're moving pretty slowly. He's running in a panic. So when you two run into each other in the thicket, you are maybe 10 feet away from the body, but it is like just out of sight of Brandon Drox. Brandon levels his gun. His hands shaking a little. What, what'd you find over there, Doctor? Be honest with me now. I'm just gonna toss him the badge that I found with Warren Thomas's name on it. I grab it midair. Oh I yeah. I read the name. If you'd Shit. like to find your friend, you'll find what's left of him. About 200 meters that way. No, uh, <laughs> this is worse than I thought. I think it's best if we get back to the others. And I tell you more of my purpose here. I think it would be I think it would be best if we were all very honest with each other for just a hot minute. Yeah. So while you guys are having this um, reunion in the thicket, we have Hazel and Lorenzo still inside the study. One of the drawers had been popped open by Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still another drawer. And I'm assuming you open that as well. Yep. Yep. So you open that and you see a wooden box. And you pull the wooden box out of the drawer. And then underneath that are coin catalogs and several more letters from um, universities, librarians, um, antique dealers. Um, they are letters that are more inquisitive in nature, not so much to find the, the value of the gold coins, but a little bit more descriptive as to what they are, where they came from, and their meaning. And in one of those letters, we have another handout for you. You you see this letter, and you're poring over it. The box that you took out from the, the drawer as well, you set it on the, the desktop, and Lorenzo kind of flips it open, and he sees a uh, soft velvet lining and the imprint of where a gun should be, but the gun is no longer there. And you also see six loose bullets kind of rolling around the drawer 
Um, I will pocket the bullets even though I don't have a gun. Um, just so they're not there in case whoever owns the gun comes back for them. And then I will read this. And as I'm reading it, I will just look confused and go, What the hell did you get yourself into? Dear Mr. Cassidy, thank you for your letter dated February 28th of this year. I do indeed recognize the coin you described, or at least I recognize the style of decoration, for we have placed a similar origin here in our museum in Newburyport. As a result, I suspect your coin hails from nearby Innsmouth, and only the locals of the benighted town could tell you its true worth, to them at least. However, if you value your immortal soul, I strongly caution you against contacting any denizens of that place. No good ever came from dealings with Innsmouth. Instead, the Newburyport Society would be glad to purchase any coins you may have from you at market value once their authenticity has been confirmed. Um, there's some more about arrangements, and again, Mr. Cassidy, I urge you most strongly not to approach anyone in Innsmouth about your find. It really is for the best of all concerned. Your sincerely, Miss Hina Tilton. Jesus. So... He clearly found some type of coins on the island. He was trying to assess their value as well as their meaning. And he has a bunch of different research material and letters from you know, appraisers and scholarly people as well. And that is kind of what you, you understand about the coins so far. Um, Lorenzo... As you see Hazel reading over this letter, you're looking over, you're, you're kind of eyeing the room, and you see on the table to the northwest corner of the room that there appears to be a, a watercolor painting kind of sitting in the middle of the table. And Hello. you pick it. You pick it up and look at it, and it shows a window and a dark shadow with wide, bulbous eyes leering through the glass pane. Jesus as you're Christ. holding it up, I love to, this game. I love everything. As you're holding it up to your face, <laughs> you look to your right and recognize the the window in the painting is the exact window you're looking out of. Brandon just standing there and staring at it. Roll <laughs> a sanity check. Oh, right. So what do I roll for sanity? You're in you're smart. You should you should be able to He's good. Look at that. Alright. Great Capini sees this and says, Oh no tricks to scare commoners. This shall not work on me. I am the illusionist. Yeah. Um, Hazel, once she's done, he goes, this is ridiculous. These people believe in folklores and it's whatever. And she like throws the, she puts it on the table, not realizing that Lorenzo's staring out the window. <laughs> <laughs> like just barely on the brink of like taking massive, not massive sanity damage, but like losing his mind just a little bit, like slipping away from him. So this is um, one of those points where I don't recognize that this could cause sanity damage to someone else. So I'm like, ooh, look at this, these fools. And I try to show Hazel the painting. 
it's a fantastic scene because there's like two people inside papooing the situation and then yeah. two people coming in who have just found a dead body. Yeah. What are you looking at? I look at the I look at the picture. Look at this oh, no. <laughs> so, so this this is gonna be weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to persuade Hazel that this is just a ridiculousness because I actually have a pretty high persuasion skill. So no, you you let her you let her look upon the beyond. And no, I she do. Can, she can contain it. <laughs> I do. I agree with that, but I'm poo-pooing it as nonsense, and that might give her a bonus. Okay. Yeah. So the way we'll do this is. You show, you, you tell Hazel, hey, come look at this. She looks at it, and she gets the same vantage point, point and makes the same recognition as you originally did. And as her brain is trying to process this and about to, like, slightly crack, go ahead and try to persuade her that this is all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Can I use my um, luck to help him succeed? <laughs> I think this. I think I'm gonna let this stand only because you've seen the great Capiti and you're just like you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you're stupid if you believe this. And so she sees this, and your words just kind of like mumble in her ears as her like sanity starts to crack. So roll me a sanity check. <laughs> Oh, oh no. is the, the gonna, in one theater. Can I push on right. that? Nope. Sanity rolls are sanity rolls. I got a ninety out of fifty-five. Ooh, so you take you take one point of sanity damage. That's not so bad. Okay. But so looking at a painting's not as bad as looking at an eviscerated body. All right, we've How got that standard established at least. And while you're looking at that painting. Uh, if you have art craft, either painting or sketching, um, roll oh, me yeah, you're an well. antiques dealer, aren't you? Yeah. I Fine, am. Um, Is art history relevant here? Um, no. <laughs> it's a very new art. <laughs> yeah. Per the uh, this is just art. <laughs> you said art craft what? Um, either painting or sketching. So... I have to use a painting if I have a painting. Um, I mean, you can use either painting or sketching. Um, it, it's just to help you kind of get a better idea of, so of on, this painting. On my actual PDF, I do not have anything under art and craft. Okay. Um, I mean, you can always roll the base art craft of 5%, <laughs> but um, I mean... But don't. <laughs> that would at the game. Well, there's, there's nothing. Says, would not take that bet. <laughs> you pretty much need to roll like a natural twenty. Yeah. So um oh so the amazing Lorenzo Capini got a hard success. So for me, the, so one of the things that the readers or the listeners should understand about my character's background is that I have dabbled in a because I had a father that was very. So I know a little bit about everything. <laughs> okay, looking at this painting Must have been again. nice to have a father that loved his children <laughs> as much as meant Julep some more. Uh, so you take a look at this painting again, sans sanity damage, and you you see that it looks like it was uh, kind of hastily painted, like it was mostly trying to capture 
the image rather than um, being kind of like a work of art. And that that was the, the painting, the watercolor painting that was kind of first and foremost on the desk. But you see uh, stacked neatly on the back of the desk that there are many other uh, watercolor paintings that are a little bit more meticulous, a little bit more well put together. Lorenzo curiosity gets the better of him, thinking, hmm, this is mediocre folk art. I wonder what else. <laughs> Throw it over get. your shoulder nonchalantly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I pursued and be like, let's see if this person is really an artist and pursue to peruse through the rest of the stacks of paintings. Yeah, so you you kind of poke through them and you you see that they are mostly paintings of the lighthouse and of scenes around the island. Um, there's nothing really that kind of like sticks out from them, except for the fact that these look like they're have been time and effort put into them. You also see on the table a book, a repair manual for the lighthouse, a pipe, and a pouch of tobacco, a pair I'm of binoculars. <laughs> yeah. <Not> there. <laughs> I'm there. You will be very soon. Want that. <laughs> um, just, just about. Yeah, so a pair of binoculars, a sketchbook, pencils, watercolor paints, paintbrushes, and paper. And as you are kind of thumbing through these other pieces of artwork is when Brandon and Dr. Uh, Ritter come, I would say, kind of bursting through the door into the study, soaking wet. I, I would say certainly Brandon kind of, is, right? I mean, he, yeah. he seems the more, yeah. I think I yell The more excitable. Did you find your big duck? I found something far worse and unpublished. Um, as they are having this bit of a jabbing match, Brandon just takes and he throws Warren Thomas's badge on top of the desk in front of everybody. The reason I came here today was to find a special agent that has been working under the guise of a light housekeeper named Michael Turner. That special agent was somebody that I came up through the agency with and a dear friend of mine. His name was Warren Thomas. I have just been informed by Dr. Stewart here that he is dead. He is very dead. Clinically dead, if I could say so. And he is a medical doctor as far as I understand. And so <laughs> I believe wrong, everything he has to say. You keep uh, <laughs> pursuing that. I approached, I went to find the great, I assumed, habited, inhabited this island in hopes of capturing and dissecting it, and found and happened upon and who clearly stole the other uh, accoutrement from here, the slick rain. While Dr. Stewart is uh, just talking a lot. Oh, I thought you asked me to do this. Did I lose that? Oh, no. No, no, I... I assume I said something, and then, like, your character's keeping. He just, like, starts pontificating. Yes. And Brandon's in the background, like, checking the barrel of his gun, making sure it's full of bullets. P 
putting the barrel back into place. And uh, he then walks out of the room while you're still telling the story to everybody else to yeah. check out uh, the room that is to the west that we haven't checked out from the study. I, I think that's a... Uh, sir, sir, before you head that way, that is a mistake. And he kicks the door open. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, Brandon kicks open the door to the study. And Hazel helps. And Hazel helps. Hazel and... does not help. <laughs> Pause for edit. <laughs> um, Brandon kicks open the door to the study. The door is already slightly ajar, so smashes into a cupboard on the backside of the door. And then hits and, the recoils back into his and face. Then, yeah, recoils, hits him. Uh, you walk into the study, and you see three beds. They are all very neatly made and three cupboards next to each of those beds and the bed in the northwest you see just a a a tall stack of books kind of sitting by the head of the bed um so you can clearly see that this is the i glance over the can i see any of the spines uh is there anything that seems readily apparent no they're all uh books of popular literature um you can surmise that this is 50 shades of gray 50 shades darker 50 shades of freed <laughs> twilight <laughs> twilight <laughs> no the works of t.s Eliot, agatha christie f scott fitzgerald e.m forster gertrude stein i really would prefer some sort of love between a vampire a werewolf and a girl but nah, i guess t.s Eliot's and okay and their glittery skin what do you um, think about a lot of love between many cats I hope um, it gets made into a play someday that is strange and no one can really comprehend. <laughs> Strangely, that is also my wish. Um, so, so yeah, you you see the stack of books, maybe like ten high, uh, is is just popular reading material. Right. Um, and I just doors and corners real quick, see if I can make sure that there's no one in there, and if not, I'm gonna call everyone else in because. Many hands make light work. Yeah. Lorenzo asked, why are we all here? Like, in life? That is a deep question. Uh, A fantastic question about free will and morality. How did we... (laughs) Was it our choice? I recommend brewing coffee, pouring the whiskey generously, and discussing liberally. I think Lorenzo well, says, I know a charade when I see a charade, and clearly most of you are here for another reason than what you actually Brandon moves to like the the farthest west um, cupboard at the base of the bed. He gets on one knee and he opens it, and while he's doing that, he just turns to Lorenzo and goes, you know why I'm here. I already told you that, and starts rooting through it. Yeah, so you pop open the cupboard, and you see inside there is soap, towels, fresh bedding, extra blankets, linens. And you see that there are also just uh, clothes hanging up in there as well. Well, there's nothing in here. So, Mr. Cabrini, you're so uh, so anxious to know our reasons. Why, uh, why are you here, Mr. Sapacini? While he's doing that, can I look around the room, too? (laughs) Mr. Caprese. I think the great Capine salad. 
The great Capini <laughs> used to be one of the foremost. And now, I'm has been. I'm looking for a muse. Something that can spurn and bring me back into the spot. And Hazel, what was your spot hidden for just in general in the room? Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't see, like, this room um, is pretty well kept. Uh, all the beds are very neatly and tightly made. Um, you know, you pop open, you see Brandon open up the westernmost cupboard and everything is neatly folded and uh, organized. Um, you go through the southernmost cupboard and it looks very similar, if not identical, outside of the personal clothes uh, to the one on the west. But as you go through the cupboard on the right, you notice that things are kind of like tossed around a little bit. A few things are missing and all of the clothes are missing as well. Well, we knew that at least one person left. Wait, all? But all the clothes? There's a single t-shirt hanging in front of Hazel and it just says, I went to Beacon Island and all I got was this stupid shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Sells the price tag on it too. <laughs> <laughs> These um, just are clever. Yeah, the, the northwest one is Cassidy's. The southern one was Agent Warren Thomas, a.k.a. Michael Turner. And the northeastern one towards the hallway was Sam Smith's. All right. May you I... want to check out that southern one? Uh, I do not. That's May your I recommend... We light the fire atop the lighthouse. It's clear by a number of the evidence here. By a bit, sorry, that's not even a, the thing that anybody would say that can speak English. Um, <laughs> it's, it's quite clear by the evidence here that these men have been departed for some time. And yet the lighthouse is inoperable. Perhaps if we shed some light on the situation, we may e be able to find this. Cue credits. Murderous <laughs> duck. Uh, as the doctor is talking again, Brandon will walk behind him, and he will go to open the southern cover. <laughs> oh, you think, yeah. you think this is important? All right. I think I'm convinced that there's nothing in this room. Yeah, so the so southern cupboard is very similar to George Cassidy's. It's very, no very well kept, organized, folded, personal clothes and everything. Um, but that's it. It seems as though the doctor has the right idea. Perhaps... Uh, we check out the room that's a, a little more to the, the the easterly portion, and then maybe make our way up to the top of the tower. And as each of us do, we take on the visage of Wilm Defoe and have weird static <laughs> moments in, in front of the lighthouse light. Yeah, let's go upstairs. Let's do it. Peony is just trying to search. I think he's taking in the situation. Clearly, he does. everyone else here has a motive, and he just happens to be along for the bride. <laughs> To be clear, sir, I have no motive other than observing the Rockport ecosystem, learning about the species here, and perhaps discovering one that I can publish about. I have no ulterior motives. I know it sounds like I might, given how I'm saying this, but I am being very <laughs> forefront and honest that there's nothing else going on here. I wish there was a way that I could convey this into you that would not cause suspicion, but I doubt that is the case. As for most people seeing who need for truth and honor. Seeing it's odd, Capini, uh, uh, Capini will just go along with uh, Brandon 
and see what's going on in the top of this lighthouse because clearly he is the tank. <laughs> Wink! <laughs> Randon goes first. Marching order, <laughs> sir, the Bureau agent. You've got two badges now. That's double the protection. Um, Brandon, hearing this, winks at everybody, goes back out in the hallway, goes to the easterly most door, and goes, I may be a tank, but I'm also quite unhinged, and unloads six shots <laughs> through the door. <laughs> Um, yes. And then listens to see if anything happens on the other side. <laughs> I love this. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's such a badass 20s so... move. <laughs> hey, you so big Hazel... <laughs> Hazel, Dr. Ritter, and Lorenzo are still kind of moseying around the the bunk bunk room and maybe like taking a step out into the hallway as they see Brandon unloads six <laughs> rounds into the door and everyone stops and just freezes. Brandon keeps a keen ear, but hears nothing. Good. Which that I killed that ghost and then he kicks the door open. <laughs> what the actual heck is wrong with you? <laughs> While he kicks the door open, he also is uh, reloading <laughs> with the extra bullets and he just goes, I don't know what to tell you, but it feels like it. this might be a one-shot, and uh, I have two reloads <laughs> worth of bullets, and, and clicks the barrel back into place. Coincidentally, I found your partner's service weapon and his ammo. I would have liked to lend it to you in an emergency. Anyway, Perfect. I don't know I don't know how two-weapon fighting works in this system, but uh, we're going to find out. Just get more badass. So you kick open this door. You see kind of at your feet, there is a streak of blood. and Ooh. Looks like I winged him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you get down, put a finger in it, touch it to your mouth. Because that's what everybody does. <laughs> like a nice true detective does. Anything else. Like, <laughs> how hot is that blood? Is it hot <laughs> enough? Yeah. He just goes, it's not ketchup. Because I know ketchup um but do you actually do this but no i will i will kick the door open and i will observe the blood yeah and then i will turn back to dr stewart and go doctor there's blood in here you're an expert in all things doctor i assume and he'll uh, move out of the way and then he'll wonder <laughs> as someone uh, with a dissection kit i have seen a lot of blood um so i don't know why i turned into an australian there that just happened we'll just ignore it uh and i'll i'll walk in yeah let's uh, let's see what's going on in this lighthouse we got so the room it. you walk into is the kitchen so you see ahead of you is uh a sink uh a, a window looking out and a cupboard next to it to your immediate left there's a small table with three chairs around it one of them is knocked over and in the corner uh the kind of round thing is a uh, like a, a hearth, like a furnace. Oh, okay. Uh, wood fire stove. That's the word I'm looking for. And you see a door on the outside that leads to the exterior, and then the door to the north leads to the study. And six bullet holes. And six <laughs> fresh bullet holes. Is there a way to go further up? Is that, what the, is, is that what we think the way to the study or the way to the outside is? Um, 
Let me reveal just a tiny bit more. Sure, yeah. And you, based off of the side elevation yeah. in the other picture, you can tell that this is the uh, the way up the staircase to the lighthouse beacon itself. But the streak of blood is coming out of the kitchen. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So the streak of blood, um, it appears, like, if you walk around the door, you see that there's a big pool of it. So it looks as if something I- had been... But there's no body. But something had been winged or killed there, and the body's gone. And the door kind of, like, streaked the blood as it had been previously opened, not from when you guys opened it. No other evidence. I, like, it's hard for uh, Stuart to, like, let this part of his curiosity go. So I think I'm actually just going to quickly roll a dice. I'm going to call evens upstairs and uh, uh, odds over to the blood streak. It's an evens. is a four. I'm going to... I don't think that we're going to be able to discern a lot more from here. So I think Stuart's going to kind of motion on and be very quiet. He's going to give like a kind of shush thing. Uh, I'm going to try to head up the stairs. Uh, I want to see what's going at the top of the, the lighthouse and at least be able to light this thing. Maybe. Brandon's going to step back out in the hallway just behind Stuart, um, kind of covering all of the entrances and exits he can see. And then he's going to nod towards the last door to see if someone else will, will check inside while he maintains watch in the hallway. He's all over inside. So as Dr. Ritter takes a few steps up the stairs, he notices at his feet, there's not a lot of light in this cottage or in the lighthouse but you do kind of catch like the glinting of something at your feet i do have a lantern Um, okay do you okay so so yeah you guys would see this as you're kind of um looking down at the floor at the streak of blood by the kitchen you see in the corner of um right right at the base of the bottom of the stairs they're actually like kind of tucked in the corner not where the map shows it but you, you find three of those little golden coins that you assume Cassidy had been talking about and trying to discern their meaning. Uh, can I, like, pick them up and, like, maybe toss one to Cassidy? Can we inspect these things and get a good look at them? Yeah. So you pick them up. Well, Cassidy... You... So that would be interesting, though, if you did. Toss oh it my to God! Sorry, I'm just a. I'm <laughs> and suddenly, there's a man there that wasn't there and before. And he catches a coin in the dark. Sorry, I toss the coin to Hazel, whose watch I picked up earlier in the boat, and who I think is very <laughs> nice. And I hope we can still be friends. Hazel will try to catch it and uh, appraise it. You appraise it, and you kind of roll it over in your fingers. You see, hell yeah, extreme success. There you go. Yeah, you you see that it is approximately the same dimensions as what was described in the appraisal reports. Um, about the same kind of weight, and they are made of gold. And on one face, there is a stamp pressed into the gold. It is an obelisk. Um, does that mean anything to me? Can I roll well, a history you found, check? 
So you found Cassidy's journal in the locked drawer in yeah. the desk. And the, the stamp that on the cover that Lorenzo thought was the lighthouse because he miserably mm. failed his oh, check. No. It was an obelisk. So um. you can tell that he had transcribed that picture of the obelisk from the coin onto the journal and that he was kind of keeping the journal as a, a secretive thing um, documenting his contacts and all the weird things that have been happening since he started finding the coins so I think Lorenzo is going to see if this coin jogs any of his memories of strange it looks things. like a lighthouse I'm never going to be able to roll that you've again. seen lighthouses before. now um and as an illusionist, obelisks as well. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you would you would make the connection because you had looked at the the picture on the journal pretty in depth, so you would notice that the picture on the coin was the same that it, that was on the journal. So you come to the same conclusion at the same time Hazel does. Um, but I don't think. Brandon or Dr. Ritter really took a close look at the journal. Nope. They just had kind of entries like read to them. So they they see the coins. Um, you know, Hazel describes that their material, their shape, size, the the picture on them. So I guess knowing parts of the world, I guess I'm sitting there. It's like, is this given the creature that we've seen in the painting, given the creature the paintings? It's, is this enough to jog another cult role to see if this jogs some memory cult skill? Um, no. <laughs> well, uh, actually, <laughs> actually, yes. No. Go ahead. Go ahead and roll. No. If, if you guys want to do an occult role, go ahead. I got nothing no. on that. I don't even believe in it. Right. I got two, so I'll go with the first one. I don't know why I doubled. So that's a fail. I'm going since this is the one shot and I have a shit ton of luck so I don't have to anymore <laughs> right <laughs> Never as mind. Brandon comes over the top well I like to think I think like mechanics wise like Hazel Hazel and Lorenzo have been looking at the pictures of the obelisk reading over the documents looking at the coins mm. and Brandon's kind of had this all happening around him and for the first time he maybe gets like a, a real clean look at what's going on and he immediately knows what he's looking at yeah, so you're you're starting to piece all of this information together, and you know that your partner, Special Agent Warren Thomas, came to Beacon Island in order to track smugglers' ships, um, and compare the ships traveling past the lighthouse versus manifests and. Um, try to look for anything uh, kind of shady that was going on. And the the coins, you're kind of piecing it all together. And the coins, the you recognize the obelisk from the cult of Dagon. And it is a an, kind of an infamous cult that actually hails from Innsmouth. And that's why when the letter to, what was it, uh, Tilla? Tilton, Miss Tilton. Yeah. 
Yeah, Brandon moves to grab the coin out of Hazel's hand, and he holds it, and he goes, sons of bitches. <sighs> Have you, while we were gone, did you see anything that mentioned Innsmouth? Any, uh, I don't uh, know, uh, papers, uh, stationery, letters, correspondence? Yeah. Dodoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I wasn't there, and I neither will, were you, Doctor Stewart. I will hand over. No, no, the I know. I, so that was Nick saying to Doy, like the narrator, <laughs> like like an ethereal <laughs> voice came from the heavens. It was like, Doy. Da um, I will, I will hand over the letter from the Newburyport Society and go. Uh, a Miss Pina Tilton mentioned them and said that they would be interested in this coin, but not to give it to them. He's going to grab the letter, briefly scan it, looking for Innsmouth, seeing exactly those words. <sighs> Son of a bitch. He probably thought he could get a better price somewhere. Why did Cassidy originally contact you, Miss Wright? Though I don't know your last name. Miss Hazel. <laughs> <laughs> How did you, you know are my FBI, name? You so you might. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like that. Actually, no, that's super cool that you actually know <laughs> who, like, what everyone's real name is on the boat and right. stuff. That's so cool. I was like, I know all of your names. Yeah. Hazel Wright, Stuart Ritter, and I turned to Lorenzo Capini, and John Smith. <laughs> I know your real name. <laughs> Never. From Hoboken. <laughs> Hoboken, New Jersey. Hoboken, New Jersey. <laughs> if, you, if you say her last name, she's not going to answer you. <laughs> She's, you know, uh, she just turns uh, and it's like, Hazel, how did you know Mr. Cassidy? I have a good eye for for relics and for uh, antiques. He reached out to me, said he had one that he had interest in and needed my help. And so you felt the need and were compelled to come find out in person? I wanted to see the item. I'm very curious about antiques. May, may I ask Miss Hazel how he found you? By what means he knew your contact information and your expertise? We've worked together Yellow. before. Yellow pages. <laughs> Internet. Wait. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> We've worked together before. That's all. Ah. Well, I'm, I'm inclined to believe you. You seem Is there just a as shocked. I, think, I, guess, I guess Stuart's too... Like his genteelness is gonna run out. Can I do? I it mean, insight? don't have like... me roll persuasion. That's all. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think because there's not. Well, really I like can fast a... talk. Can I fast talk? Yeah, you can. You can fast talk. There's not really like a deception. I will use luck or... to succeed on that because I got a 56 out of 50. <laughs> um. So I think this would just be. I think I promise intelligence roll. I think I promise to intimidate and yell at somebody. <laughs> Uh, it just it feels feels wrong. So yeah, we he's probably like going to grab. No one, no one planned to do it to another like player. <laughs> no one wants exactly. Yeah, but everyone we found is dead or missing. So he grabs Ritter by the collar and points his gun in his face. He's like, "What do you know?" No, uh, but <laughs> literally nothing. I know a great deal about marine biology, and everything I mean... else here is a mystery. We I hope made that. No, honestly, Brandon's not going to push the issue. Like he. He's a little bit skeeved out. He doesn't really know what's going on. And, like, the circumstances in which he's ended up on the island, everything kind of going absolutely the wrong way, he's just going to believe Hazel. He's not even going to press her on it. 
I, I think I'm in a similar boat that like my charm stack and, and, and the way that this kind of stuff works. I don't want to push her. I don't I don't want to find this out because I also don't even see how it could be even potentially relevant. To me, this just looked like a monster has murdered people. You mean a giant duck? I think you mispronounced the words giant duck. <laughs> it looks to me as if a, a grand quacker has come along this way and and, and eviscerated every bestial species within the area. Um, All I know I, is that I'm a well-known relic enthusiast. I have appraised multitude of things. We've worked in the past with items, so he just rang me up. He obviously reached out to a bunch of other people and only one heard about it. Did you give him a quote? Did you tell him anything? Or is that no. why you were on your way here? I wanted to see the item before I said anything. I'm very much a hands-on person. Well, fair oh, enough, yeah. then I think you will agree with me that it's time to light the light in the light. The beacon? Yeah, we should. Gon Gondor will answer. Yeah. The lightless beacon. I I'm... I... I think We've Lorenzo's no gonna say, look at, it's gonna look at Hazel and roll a persuasion and be like, is that so, my dear? Yes, oh, yes, no. it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna spend five luck points, or just enough oh, luck points to push it over. Um, 39? <laughs> uh, you're gonna spend all of them? Just as a shot by oh, gun. No, no, no. What? Wait, how bad did I miss that? Oh my god. Yeah, it's like 90. No, that's like 99. That's that's Yeah, that's the next to worst thing you can roll. So <laughs> if your skill if your skill is fifty or below, a ninety-six to one hundred is a critical fail. Right. But if your skill is above fifty, then only a hundred critical fails. So you barely missed <laughs> a critical fail. <laughs> Oh, like he really turns around and he points at a wall. And he's like, "Tell the truth, Hazel." And like she's not even there. Yeah, she's already a floor away. <laughs> Starts to no. choke on a spit as he. She's just like waving oh, her hand. I already told you the truth as she's walking up the stairs. <laughs> weed. Uh, Brandon, Brandon follows Hazel up the stairs. The best yeah, part about yeah, this is where we gotta go. Like we gotta go. We gotta keep doing that. The best part okay. about Tiffany is I am clearly the baggage in the group just because of all the bad roles. So you've had you're your the, moments. You're the like flavor I mean, player. <laughs> he's he's great. John Smith is the best. He's the heart of the group. Oh, and when <laughs> I think clearly when you married Pocahontas. So Hoboken, New Jersey. I think what the um, you know I don't know if Brandon will notice this, but. Um, and we'll let that play out, but it's clear that some foul play's been going on this. So I pull out my 22 short that I've been hiding. That's also my trick pistol for tricks. Um, can I? Uh, can I roll? I feel like I'm on heightened awareness with the keeper's discretion. Can I roll a spot hidden to see if uh, I watch him pull out this tiny gun? Uh, yeah, you're hopped up on caffeine, so I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Should I roll a sleight of hand for this, or? Uh, yeah, go we ahead can and roll. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and roll a sleight of hand to see if you <gasps> hide it. Whoa. So, you both succeeded, but neither one of you hard succeeded. So, I will say that it will go to the person doing the sleight of hand. 
Okay, that's so. fair. I'll, I'll, I'll say that's fair. Like, he's maybe looking around. Brandon's probably moving a little too fast for his own good, and Cabini definitely pulls out the twenty-two without me noticing. Yeah, you, you see him kind of, like, rifling around his possessions on his on his person, but you don't quite know, like, what he's doing or what he pulls out. But I, I assume he's going to pull out something weird, like a... Like, like a like a one that has fake flowers inside, <laughs> yeah. or uh, some sort of weird crystalline ball. Smoke bomb. <laughs> yes, Capini has Smoke failed bomb. so much that the one time that he is successful, you're like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Capini is able to hide the fact that he withdrew his weapon from Brandon. So you guys are heading up the long winding staircase up the base of the lighthouse. Yep. Are yeah. all of you going? Are you like being very close to each other? I'm just behind Hazel. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm like very close to everybody if not in the front. Like I we want Domino to fall all the way down. Capini's <laughs> taking his time going up the stairs. A little older gentleman, but also Watching the back. But also a coward. Yes. <laughs> um, and during this time, too, you start to notice that at least the lights in the study are starting to flicker, like, pretty heavily. Mm. Like, not, like, a little, like, flicker off, but, like, sometimes persistent amounts of being off for like, five to ten seconds. In a pattern discernible by the scientific method. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not Morse code or, or yeah. anything of the such. I, it is... We'll hold my lantern up in front of me. Okay. So you guys head up the, the spiral stairway and... You... Honestly, like, if there is fan art of this, I want it to be of the scene of us all walking upstairs with yeah. Hazel in front with the with the lantern out and then Lorenzo trying to do like a trick at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull pulling gun out of his ro- hat. Yes, please. That would be amazing. But there's a smoking hole I've in got the middle like a of the top hat where the gun somewhere behind you and the age yeah. <laughs> You've got like the gun out. And as long as the proportions of Hazel is quite small and then I'm huge, like right behind her, almost cowering with a gun out, uh, <laughs> using her as some sort of shield, I would appreciate that as well. Yeah. <laughs> if everyone could just go ahead and get all the nuances of this right, <laughs> well, we'd be just so, so, so appreciative. Everyone's a coward but Hazel. That's the important <laughs> point. Okay. So as you are rounding these stairs and making your way up. Everybody roll me a listen check. Just the listen, you say. I would like to say that I am looking down the stairs. Just my first failed roll. Doesn't feel good. I heard a beer open. (laughs) (laughs) Listen closely. It wasn't mine. Rough listen for me. Wow. Everybody... Really shit the bet on that one. Well, we all have <laughs> shitty scores on that. It's an 88 versus a 20, a 62 versus a 30, a 72 versus a 20. The only person that has a good listen is the asshole at the bottom of the stairs <laughs> yeah, doing was, magic tricks. I was about to say, uh, none of us should have made this roll if we were being rational. <laughs> like, we're bad at this. Rapini. We should do something else. Yeah. <laughs> Rapini's going to put, like, I'm going to push it. 
You're gonna push? Ooh. Hey, this this would be a classic Capini trick. <laughs> just <laughs> Capini, be, just guys. letting you know with a with a one third of a percent of the chances of poor move. This is a bad idea. <laughs> oh, yep. failed, yeah. failed. failed even worse than the first time. Yeah. The odds so, yeah. are not in your favor, my guy. <laughs> yeah, so okay. as as you go to like hyper focus in on, the, fingers on the, the the base of the yeah, the base of the, the stairs, a big bolt of lightning strikes at that exact moment and scares you so much that you drop your gun down the stairs. <gasps> oh, you're gunless now, my son. Capini, oh. I told you not to summon lightning. <laughs> <laughs> His greatest trick of all. Yeah. He can't That's do really any magic, but he, he has one third level spell slot a day, and it is summon call lightning. chain lightning. And call Very lightning. far away. <laughs> call lightning in a situation in which it does not hit anything relevant to you. And um, to add insult to injury, you wet yourself a little bit too. <laughs> I think Capiti being naturally a little scared is like, oh shit, I need to go get that gun. So I'll never see this was so you are probably halfway up when you drop your gun and you you're gonna go down and get it well i do have a backup and it's a daringer but it's a single shot like it was the gun you had was the daring oh you have like double guns hot hot damn look at you my point is that's how i cheat and do the trick by shooting people who figure it out. Cool. <laughs> one the greatest trick of all was getting away with murder. Yeah, no, no. no, one's a trick. So, so that I'll actually go and go get it. I think part of okay. Actually, like so the the derringer was your weapon that you dropped. You said yes. Okay. So yeah, you're about halfway up. You drop your derringer. It starts to clatter down the stairs and rolls off the side of the railing and kind of happenstance rolls down the the small flight of stairs like kind of into the cottage and as you move to the base of the stairs and try to retrieve your weapon you hear scratching and clawing and you see the kitchen door that Brandon had put six holes into start to open up even further and a creature is just as surprised to see you as you are him and now we're going to go into initiative order good thing I'm so I'm so fast this is why we split the party (laughs) <laughs> just in time I mean if I can just kill Lorenzo that's a success on my part oh that's on all our parts well like, no no one will get a tear I would like to say that like the deck the, the, the initiative is gonna go and we're all gonna go first and we're gonna hear a scream and then three of us are gonna go it's probably nothing and keep climbing up <laughs> the lighthouse that's <laughs> it's weird did anybody hear a scream so I have a great trick for this to get out of here, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, he turns out he's a ninja, just a great place where he was. Is his, his trick is the same trick as the captain? He just, like, cocks his gun and takes himself out. So, no. So whenever Paul's really, 
So whenever Paul's ready to go, I will say this is I'll announce the trick to the group. Okay. Uh, I think so. The way that initiative works, because Paul's doing some work in the background, is it goes. We just say our dexterity score flat. And that is the initiative that we go in, is the highest dexterity score goes first, yeah. followed by everybody else. So I'll say mine first. I have a dexterity of 75. Holy thing. What are you, you monster? I am a giant, cowardly, strong tank guy. <laughs> so my dexterity is a 45. Cool. <laughs> I also have a 75. Whoa. What the hell? So Lorenzo, 45. Hazel, 75. Dr. Ritter. 45. 45. Yeah, not, not uh, as as least and athletic looking as I am. I'm neither of the things. I just look like them. So Brandon will just nod to Hazel and we'll both run upstairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave, leave him. Leave, leave him behind. He won't be able to catch us. With his, <laughs> Every man for himself. His Did you long hear something? I didn't hear anything. Have to take. I heard nothing. I have, I have no idea what's going on. I so, literally failed to listen, Chex. So I heard literally nothing. As I heard someone pee themselves slightly, that's, but that's about it. That's weird. It was my pee. I was the one <laughs> peeing. Come on and get me. Don't, don't forsake <laughs> your Christ-born duty to save another soul. Um... <laughs> Yeah, okay. I don't so, unfortunately, these creatures have a dexterity of 80. <laughs> so they go before anybody. I'm sure. Wait, hang on. Let me all back up here. Did you say creatures? Chers, yes. Well, Lorenzo, it was lovely spending time with you. <laughs> so, if you don't hold the door shut, <laughs> like Odor, then what are you good for? <laughs> so... The door to the kitchen, you're at the base of the stairs. The door to the kitchen slowly opens, and you see two of the most hideous, aquan, kind of merfolk-type-looking monsters you've ever seen. So you see two of them kind of peek around the door. Uh-oh. And because you didn't make a ton of sound... And they were kind of just investigating. They're kind of taken by surprise a little bit. But one of them, the the one that's closest to you, spins around and raises spikes on his back and shoots a barrage of needles at you. Cool, 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 cool. The way the attack works is... It is considered a ranged projectile. So the only option you have is to do a dodge roll or to stand there and take it, whichever you prefer. But if you use a dodge roll, that is your turn. Yes. So you can stand there and take it, or you can try to do a dodge roll to avoid the projectiles. If you do a dodge, does that mean can you do a dodge and an action to do something, or is it just the dodge? No, so it's it's like a reflex type thing, and it takes your turn to do it. So it's like if you think about it like in a gun scenario, if someone points a gun at you and takes a shot at you, you can stand there and take it, and then if you live through it, you can take your turn afterwards. But you can try to dive out of the way, but in trying to avoid the shot, you forfeit your turn. So it's kind of uh, a catch-22 on projectiles. No, that makes sense. I think in all sense, you know, most people don't sit there and take a gun 
Um, <laughs> most people. Like. Yes. And so I'm gonna actually, I'm, I'm gonna probably have to go for the dodge on this. You roll your dodge score and see if you succeed, hard succeed or extreme succeed, and I roll an attack. <laughs> he didn't do any of the things that you said. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I'm gonna take ten. So as this creature sees you and you see him and he kind of spins around <laughs> and, and he spins around to fire uh, these needles out of his back, he actually misses and catches part of the door and part of his surrounding area and not hitting you. So you don't need to spend that because he failed and you failed. But because he failed his attack, you don't have to try to uh, succeed in the dodge. Okay. You're you're lucky, but for real. Yeah. But I think you still forego your turn because you determine what your action is going to be, which was the dodge, and then you roll afterwards. Oh yeah, he dodged, so his, okay. his action. So he loses spent. his turn. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. So yeah, so the first one spins around, shoots needles out of its back and catches the door and the walls around you and just happens to miss you. You tr- you try to grab your gun and dive back up the stairs, but you just like end up lying flat on the ground instead. The second youngling that is behind him is kind of stuck behind him. So he's going to run north through the study and try to make it out into the hallway and he has just enough time to do so. So he he barely makes it into the hallway, um, and that, that'll be the end of his turn. Right. And then the other two younglings, you don't know where they are. How, what? There's four? Not younglings! <laughs> well, I'm glad you made mention that there was four. If only Anakin was here. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> I turn to Hazel, and I go... You have anything for this? Because we had the same initiative, so we had to decide who was first. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> and I look at the doctor and I go, "Hey, doctor, I bet you she's pretty good with that firearm you got." And then I run down past, um, hopefully just getting in view of the young knights in the hallway, hoping to shoot my gun. Um. I will say because Lorenzo was kind of the last one and he didn't really say he was going, this was all, like, you hear him kind of, like, scream and dive out of the way. So you can make it to the base of the stairs, but you aren't able to take a shot just yet. Um, can I see them from the stairway where I'm at? The the younglings? No. You guys are about, you guys are just over, like, maybe halfway up the stairway. I don't know if there's free actions, but as a free action, I go, hey, there's some wicked, creepy fish monsters down here. <laughs> are you good with that gun, Doctor? I'm very bad with it. <laughs> I just <laughs> toss it to you. You want it? It's yours. Fantastic. You um, I will take it and make sure it's loaded, and if it's not, use the bullets I grabbed earlier if they fit. No, it's a it's a wholly useless weapon for me. My brawl and my ability to just like get in front of people is so so much better. Like that would be yeah. Silly so for me to it use. had five rounds in it. Yeah. From 
when he found it. So there's still five rounds in it. Um, I will I'm put assuming... a sixth round in it if I can. Okay. We, we will say that the bullets you found in the drawer matched the gun. Well, or this was into the gun. The same caliber. This was the gun that was on the... The FBI agent. FBI that I agent. Found. So wouldn't yeah. that be his gun then? That uh, was in the drawer. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You would. You would tell. You could. Ones. You could gotcha. tell by yeah the the shape of the inlay in the velvet box that that gun that Doctor Ritter handed you is not the same gun that was in that box. Okay. Well, then I will also head down a little bit and. I don't know if you can ready an action, but I'm going to point my gun at the stairwell for whatever said creatures were just said to be in existence. I think I might retroact this a little bit and say that like when you get to the bottom, you can take a shot. Um, so let's let Brandon take that shot and then you can get down there and take a shot as well. Okay. Because it's pretty, quick to, at, it's, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. At to, least in this one over here, right? That's like in the yeah, the one down the hallway. Yeah, like this guy. Yeah, because you guys hear screaming. Um, oh shit! Fifty-seven. I still failed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the dark hallway. You're. Yeah. I use my luck points to push. So I'm going to use my luck points to lower that and hit him. Okay. Um. Roll damage. 1d10. Here we go. Nine. Okay. Nice. Then I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to open up. I'm going to shoot another shot. Um. Well, so you take that shot. <clears throat> and you happen to hit it pretty much center mass right in the center of its chest. Just like I trained. <laughs> Just like the paper targets, <laughs> that for some reason, <laughs> that for some reason were shaped All like dogs. It was Quantico very dark. One for nothing. <laughs> I don't know if Quantico existed back in the 1920s. I don't. I think well, not because Mindhunter talks about it. <laughs> not, not that like Quantico as we know, but like the area that was Quantico, still above seawater. Like. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you see your shot lands true right into the chest and you hear like the crunch of like a hard carapace, but it still falls. Um, and I relay all this to the doctor who I'm sure is furiously writing down all the details of these aquatic creatures. Uh, it, there seems to be some sort of carapace uh, and they are uh, vulnerable to bullets. <laughs> In case you were wondering. Okay. So Brandon runs down, takes the shot, kills a youngling. Hazel, your turn. Um, I run down and I don't see anything now. <laughs> right? Or is there okay. another youngling? Um, I mean, from the base of the stairs, when you get there, you don't have a vantage point to see it. And Lorenzo hasn't really had his turn to like yell or say or do anything yet. So... All right, um, I will just prepare to shoot the first thing I see that comes around the corner that isn't human okay. looking. Um, Lorenzo and Dr. Ritter, you guys have the same initiative, so you guys can determine who goes first. I only want to run up the stairs. <laughs> okay, so you go first and you run yeah. straight up the stairs. Yeah, I just want to get to the top of the lighthouse as fast as possible. 
So I you, hope there's so many bad things. So you make there. it. Into... Well, I can't wait to die. Have you not been <laughs> telling the fact that I've been rolling this character into like suicidal situations? We started. <laughs> so you make it to the top of the stairs and you enter um, the lighthouse service room. And you look around you quickly and you see that there is a, um, a desk. There's a boxes a workbench tool bag a bunch of like mechanical and electrical repair supplies that sort of thing so this is the the service room below the lighthouse beacon above you you can see the stairs go up to where the lighthouse beacon itself would be but there's kind of like a trap door that you need to like open Ooh. up yes, to get course. up to it. Yeah, okay. So you can make it to the service room and you get like a quick uh, inventory of kind of what's in the room, um, but that, that'll be your turn. That's my turn. Sounds good. Lorenzo, your turn. Well, so actually you used your turn to dodge. Yep. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> never, I never mind. Just recall that. Um, so yeah, so you. I would say, like, you kind of have, like, your wits about you enough to, like, at least kind of, like, scamper up the base of the steps just a little bit. And back to the top of the order, it is that youngling's turn. And he, let me put some of your tokens out here just to keep track. Is that Lorenzo's token? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have to ask if that's Lorenzo's, the one with the giant hat? The one with the hat that's too big and clearly hides many animals that for him to pull out of? That's the best token of all of our tokens, hands down. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Um, so as you scamper up the stairs, this youngling runs out of the kitchen and lunges for you and goes to bite you. Does, uh, do I do, was I able to hold a shot? No, not my good friend, Lorenzo. So in Call Cthulhu, like, you can't prepare Darn. or hold actions. Okay. It's yeah. all, it all has to be done during the purview of your turn. Yeah. And like I said, like, you know, the, the time in a round can vary between like a couple seconds to like 30 seconds. Like it, it just depends, but everyone kind of needs to work within that time frame, at least round by round. Um, so the first round was pretty quick. So that's why I was able to kind of let like a little bit of movement happen. And then because Brandon was a little trained, he was able to get a shot off as well, but okay. There, there's no like prepared. Oh, I've got, the good. I've got no. I don't know if anyone here has an argument. Like, <laughs> this is well deserved. <laughs> the important I mean, thing he is, pushed a roll and he failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah. There's Hazel and I get to watch this man die. If anything, that's <laughs> that's success enough. That's what we. Popcorn? That's what we <laughs> live for. Okay, so when something is attacking you in melee range, you can do a couple different things. You can fight back. You can dodge, or you can do nothing. So if you dodge in this scenario, you don't lose your turn. It's only when dodging a ranged projectile that you're like diving for cover, essentially. But in a melee situation, you can dodge, and it's pretty much just like evading the attack. So you can fight back, and what happens is if 
the monster succeeds in his attack and you fight back, you have to get either a hard, you have to get one level of success higher than the monster, and then it doesn't damage you, but you damage it. So, I'm so not only do you evade the attack, but you damage it. So he's ready to spend 36 luck points. <laughs> but From but you have to get a level of success higher than the monster. But if he fails his attack and you just get a normal success, then you succeed in the fight back. The dodge, you just need to match it to dodge the attack. So it's up to you. If you have a high fighting skill, you can try to attack it back. It, it just depends on what you want to do. My dodge is higher than my fight, so I'm going to go with yeah, dodge. Yeah, you should pick the thing that is higher. <laughs> okay. Always so, pick the thing that is higher. This creature lashes out with its wide mouth and tries to take a bite at you. Oh. <laughs> uh, I got a hard success. Oh, my God. <laughs> I rolled a 56. Okay, what's your dodge? 40. 40? Okay. So, I don't think... Only an extreme success um, gives additional damage, but it still bites you for three points of damage. So I can't spend a lot. You would have to spend... 36 points of luck to <laughs> match your dodge to his hard success in order to evade the attack. I thought I got 56 to 40. Okay, I see what you're saying. I don't even have it. Yeah, but if you go from 56 to 40 and spend that 16, you're still just a regular success versus his hard success, and because of that, you still fail the dodge. So you would have to match his hard success with a hard success dodge. So I'm taking three points of damage. Yeah. <laughs> long story short. Long story so short. these long, long sharp teeth sink into your leg as you try to crawl up the stairs. It is Brandon's turn. Are there any more younglings as I'm looking around? Not that you immediately see. I uh, take a shot. At uh, Lorenzo, put him out of his misery. I was going to say, you don't see anyone. Who are you? Shoot. Sorry, pal. Closes one eye. <laughs> I rolled the 60. I'll spend 10 luck points, though, to shoot him with a handgun. <laughs> okay. Roll damage. Uh, 10. Woo! Good God, man. At nine and a zero, man. <laughs> and you hear the same kind of crunch as... Your bullet kind of hits left peckish area, crunches through, and you see after it bites Lorenzo that it just slumps and starts sliding down the stairs. Wait, hang on, hang on. Its own blood. Hang on, I got something for this. <clears throat> now watch for my next trick as I make sure <laughs> Lorenzo doesn't disappear. <laughs> You're all welcome. All right. <laughs> only, Hazel. Le, only Lorenzo is welcome, but <laughs> why why you why you have to shoot everything? I wanted to shoot something. I'm sorry. <laughs> well there there still is someone you can shoot. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you I, <can> still... <laughs> as president, I do We're... regret shooting everything and we are being very mean things. to Andy, but it is kind of funny. <laughs> all all right, Andy. Andy. Welcome it, to Play Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So all the enemies are dead. 
that you see. Uh, I can't freaking hold any actions. Is that all of them? <laughs> let's just go up. Let's just go upstairs. I'm sure that Stuart's about to die, and then you can gun down whatever kills him. Fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I resemble that remark. So I'm assuming we're out of initiative action for right now. Uh, yeah, for the time being. Oh. Um, but if you guys are gonna like, kind of lollygag and. Um, I'm gonna go know, back discuss, up then I'm gonna then, go ahead and kill you. I'm gonna roll. Then more more things will happen. I'm gonna roll first aid on myself because I actually okay. have a high first aid. You can heal one point if yeah. you get it. Well, I'm also saying like it's, there's like any bleeding or venom, like you know, try to like, put a tourniquet on crap. Yeah, straight a straight first aid pass and call of Cthulhu only heals you one point. Yeah, that's why taking damage in this is really, really, really rough. Yeah. Okay. I think, I'm I, think I was it. saying before that we did this Monster of the Week thing, and it's a very similar kind of thing in which it's like, you don't get health back. Yeah, um, it's it, like one per week yeah. or something like that. Like, you get a first aid, and you get a medicine check, and they're like one and like two points of healing. Like, it's really, really small. No, and the players were like, but what if I sleep? <laughs> Did you do it in the hospital? Long like, rest, you know, like, please. Yeah, like no, like you've got it. Yeah, it's a, it's okay. a thing for people that got a D and D hangover. I am yeah. then gonna run up the stairs and head. Did you roll your first aid? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see, watch myself poison myself. <laughs> One hundred. <laughs> it goes in even further. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Pretty much though, 94. <laughs> 94 over 50. Still an uh. A. <laughs> still uh, still a high grade. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, you you go to like kind of like stop the bleeding, but that's pretty much all you're able to do as you kind of kick away from this fish creature sliding down the stairs. If you crit fail a medicine check or a first aid check, do you just make it worse? Um, that would be hilarious. It's like, sure. let me get this well, bullet yeah, out of you. Like, don't wash your hands. He puts his finger in the wound. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, pushing it's it like, deeper. Just forgets that like bacterial stuff is a, an important aspect of it, and just goes ahead and thinks yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's probably okay. germ theory wasn't um, discovered yet. So we are no, loosely out of germ theories and artifacts of the 1770s. We know it by now, but maybe not everyone does. So All right, so we are loosely out of initiative order. Um, what would you guys like to do? I'm going back I, upstairs. Uh, run up I... to the goddamn. <laughs> I feel the ire of Hazel. Uh, like I shot the uh the last creature and she was like come on man and i was like ah oh. so i follow behind you get her. to shoot things whenever you want i don't this isn't fair well now you have a gun and you can shoot whatever you want really whatever i want i pointed at him oh. i'm kidding <laughs> i dodge no i'm kidding um i will follow behind hazel as we go upstairs but i believe we already have a man on the inside as lorenzo is holding his stab wounds and falling behind us <laughs> So you guys all make it to the lighthouse service room. You see all the same stuff that Dr. Ritter does. You see a workbench with a tool bag, uh, a log of various service checks performed on the lighthouse uh, 
at least uh, in recent history. Um, and then you you see that there's a couple boxes underneath the the workbench. Some are most of them are bulbs, and you can determine that these are the bulbs that need to get replaced in the lighthouse. But you also see a single large box that has a lighthouse lens in it. So you see a couple bulbs, and then you see one lens. Uh, I shoot the lens. No, okay. uh, don't, don't do it. <laughs> Brandon that. shoots the lens. Game over. Wait, are we done. in game? <laughs> it's canon. It's canon. No, I do not shoot the lens. <laughs> I let Hazel shoot the lens. Yes. <laughs> Ladies first. Finally. Well, she missed out. Let's just take the pop shots at this She lens. misses and hits Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> this very delicately crafted piece of glass. Let's just shoot the fuck out of it for fun. I think Lorenzo <laughs> is now panicked and is like, just get the light in there. I need that extra attention. I'm looking for instructions. <laughs> um, well, back down in the study, there was a manual for lighthouse repair, but nobody grabbed it. Now yeah, figure or it out. Or said they were grabbing <laughs> cool it. Cool time to tell us that now. <laughs> I, I want to get to the top of the lighthouse. What's going on it's, up there? Well, also, I did, can I, did, I just roll I lighthouse on this? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a skill. I'll roll. I think I have a twenty in lighthouse. So I mean, yeah. Within now, there's you, you can do you can like do lighthouse should be a skill. Like within like light- Lovecraft mythos, like lighthouse is a thing. It's between <laughs> library use and listen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> but it isn't completely necessary to have that. Um, the Luckily. mechanical repair skill and the electrical repair skill both can come into effect for this oh i have a i have a good mechanical repair actually so you guys are all in this lighthouse repair or service room and you see the stairs lead up to a uh, a hatch that you assume leads to the actual lighthouse room the lamp room um what would you like to do Uh, i i want to go to raise my leg above my head and I kick it open. What's your f- dexterity? 75. I'm oh, incredibly dexterous. Wow. Um, so Strong dexterous. So you go to kick the door. <laughs> above my head. You meet some resistance, like something heavy is on it. I, I look at Hazel and I go, you also helped me kick this door above my head because she also has an amazing dexterity. And you, you kick this door. It kind of moves up a little bit and you feel the resistance like something heavy is laying on top of it. I and push the door. <laughs> as it kind of, like, kind of flops and shuts down really quickly, you start to see blood trickle down the sides of the opening. Oh, fuck. Well, it's probably best if we get up there pretty quick now. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I, who would have thought of a thing like that? I pushed um, the door harder. <laughs> okay. Uh, roll me a strength check. Extreme success. <gasps> 7 out of 65. Not only is she dexterous, but she's strong. Yeah, look at you go. So... Antiques you... are heavy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this clock? Um, this so... grandfather clock. I moved it. I <laughs> picked it up and put it in the store. 
So you kind of crawl up the the stairs to get the best leverage point on the door, and you kind of push through the the door. It flips kind of like straight up, and you push whatever was on top of it enough out of the way that it kind of rests just outside of 90 degrees, but it's still kind of straight up, but you see inside of this room that the entire floor is covered in blood. Like... Gross. Very, very thick, uh, slippery blood, and... Is it ketchup? Taste to see if it's ketchup. You kind of peek your head up to see... But is it Heinz ketchup? (laughs) It's catsup. 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 How should we decide who to kill? Who says it's catsup? It's Cassidy? (laughs) That was was the right level of dark. Oh, right. You poke, poke your head up. So you see the lens mechanism hanging from the ceiling of the lighthouse the lamp room right you see bits and pieces of not only a shattered bulb but the shattered lens as well Mm. you see two of those fish creatures that you just killed downstairs you see two of them up there ah and you see George Cassidy slumped against the far wall with a revolver loosely out of his hands. Mm. And he is, he, he looks like he's clearly been dead. And as you see this, mm. roll me a sanity check. Yeah, good. Good call, because that was ah, going to do something God. insane. <laughs> 95 out of 54. Ooh. So. <gasps> Heart success. Do I become more sane? I'm like, <laughs> definitely <laughs> a dead body. <laughs> That's it. Um, so you take 1d6 sanity damage, Hazel. Uh, Lorenzo and Brandon take one point of sanity damage. Do I roll? A hard yeah, so roll a d6. Three. Okay. So you take three points. I succeeded the second time I accidentally rolled. <laughs> uh, you hard succeeded. Lorenzo crushed it as well. Am I allowed to I'm not sure. No, okay. You're bleeding elsewhere on the stairs. Oh, okay. Heart failure. Okay. <laughs> so Dr. Ritter, you take a D4 plus one sanity damage. You already took... No, was that? Oh yeah, I no, I took I took a hard one earlier of a D four plus Th- three, right? Yeah. From seeing dead dead bureau body, the dead body. Oh, that's a that's a five. five? Sanity damage. Oh no! <laughs> I still Roll have me an intelligence check. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> You're about to go Why fucking temporarily think? insane. Um... <laughs> So all of this stuff is very good for me. So I very much hope it's going to work out. <laughs> oh, okay. no. Oh, no. That's, that's okay. That's bad. Bad. Yes, everyone said, oh, no, but that's 
bad. No, that is that is bad. No, that's a bad. Whenever you take five points of sanity damage or more in a single sanity roll, you have to roll an intelligence check, and if you succeed in the intelligence check, you recognize the absolute horror that you're seeing, and you have a mental break. So if you failed your intelligence check, then you're like, oh, gross, and you just like take the sanity damage, but you. But now, are seeing a truly I, horrific yeah, sight I've seen it as and it recognize I've seen it, it. Yeah. like what it is for. Like this, is, <laughs> it's so fun so, as a role player to get this this bet because like this is what Doctor Ritter is about. <laughs> like yeah. you expose him to something very new and something very terrible, and he just can't handle it. I love it. Um, so you have a mental break and roll me a d10. So my RD10 is a one. So for one round, you have this absolute mental break where you freeze on the spot, can't move, think, or do anything. And the only thing you can think to do in this time is to start reciting the names of marine species in a strangled voice and so you're mumbling to yourself yeah so there's actually a list that it gives for when you go temporarily insane so you start mumbling to yourself homaris americanus calinectus sapitus central pristis striata prionachiglaca sionisian regalis and you're just like reciting these marine species brandon just goes that's weird. And he uh, <laughs> he turns to fix the lighthouse because he has a decently high mechanical uh, uh, mechanical repair skill. Okay. You don't want to see what's going on with the bodies or any of these guys? You're just going to... I, gonna I say, think he wants... I straight up looked in here. It wasn't that I failed to repair it. It was like I just like popped my head up and started mouthing gibberish. And you're like, um, well, let's go ahead and see if we can just fix the problems, though. To him, it's to him. He's starting to draw the conclusion that the lighthouse being broken is causing more problems than they're worth. All so right. he's going to try to do it in that context. Okay. Because if I fail this, we're going to be we're all gonna, we're all going to be babbling. So <laughs> there is <gasps> yes, there is the oh wow mechanical repair of the lens, hard success, and then there's the electrical repair of the bulb, but they take time so it's okay uh i heard that hazel wants to shoot stuff so i'll be doing that and i'll let her <laughs> act as gunner yeah. is anybody going to inspect any of the bodies the two fishmen or george i'll inspect george i'll inspect the fish okay. people yeah so the fish people you see and recognize as the same creatures that attacked you below. This is sort of what they look like. Well, so that's creepy. Yeah. One of them... For the, for the listeners, large jaws, extremely <laughs> abnormally wide grins, very sharp teeth, and in general, fish people. Yeah, also, they... one's dressed in a suit? Yeah. That's the weird thing. And one's got a hood on like he's up to something as a corpse. <laughs> and I just don't trust it. Yeah. So they describe these as like lantern fish, like hybrid men. 
Um, but yeah, th- that is what they look like. And you see two of them, specifically those two. So you see the one kind of wearing clothing and a, a coat, a hooded coat. And then the other one is kind of just bare. You see that they have uh, gunshot wounds. Each one has two to the belly. Um, after inspecting the lens, as you kind of take the lens down to repair it, you see that um, part of it was broken by a gunshot as well. And you look to uh, George Cassidy's body and you look at the gun that he has in his hand and uh, all six shots are missing from the chamber. And you see that one of the windows to the gallery area, the lantern gallery is broken as well. And so you can assume that a shot missed or went wild and broke through one of the windows. So it's chilly in here. So you're saying to, yeah, it's a little breezy. <laughs> um, so remember how I told you the lights downstairs were flickering? Yes. <laughs> and then we ignored it. No, the power goes out for the whole lighthouse. So you're able to, you're, you're able to run down bring up a box with the lens and the bulbs light bulb mm-hmm. but you and you're able to repair the lens with that check so roll me a electrical repair to <sighs> fix the light bulb here we go but i do <gasps> i am the best there i you am go. basically a mechanic you have, you so. have been like rolling great like rocks. so yeah from where you're standing, like obviously the light has been out because the bulb and the lens are broken, but you put the lens back in place, you put the bulb back in place, and you're confident that both are installed correctly, but the beacon is still not working. <gasps> you look over to uh, Cassidy's body, and he was kind of slumped up against the wall, and behind his body was a radio and it's broken. I believe someone was checking out the Cassidy's body. Yeah. So that was that was Hazel. So mm-hmm. Hazel finds an emptied gun. Um, she sees that he is dead. And um, because you guys are kind of like touching and um, kind of perusing these bodies, you can tell that they were killed recently. And... Um, roll everybody roll me an intelligence check I will spend 10 to succeed I'm gonna let Mr. Capini I'm gonna call it a fail (laughs) okay so Lorenzo hard success Dr. Stuart Ritter hard success Hazel is a success so and Brandon's too busy doing shit with the you're, you're piecing together a timeline of the night you're seeing these freshly dead bodies of Cassidy and these two fish creatures and the the bullet you're you're noticing that a bullet has destroyed the lens and the lamp and you're kind of piecing together a timeline and you guys know that the light had went out during your trip Boy. from Innsmouth to Rockport and that's why you crashed on shore 
So you can surmise that this only happened within the last couple hours. Within an hour of your boat crashing and within the time frame that you've been here. So this is all a recent event that these creatures came upon Cassidy and... Is there a way that I could make a guesstimation between, like... Because I also feel like the thing that, like, uh, um, murdered Brandon's colleague... That was fairly recent, right? Because, like, the rain was just washing away. Can, like... If yep. there, is there a way that I can tell a timeline between all this? Or um, or, or think about, you like... Can, you can also kind of piece it together with... I think that's what um, I'm con- concerned about, is, like, are there two things, and is one of them still here, I think, is what Stuart is afraid of. Yeah, so the because of your hard success for that intelligence role and you're establishing like this timeline of events, you are, you are piecing together that, yeah, the, the footprints and the webbed footprints on top of the boot prints were recent as well as this kind of final standoff between Cassidy and these two fish people. Mm-hmm. And that either Turner was fleeing um fleeing whatever happened in the kitchen or whatever the case may be and fled into the thicket was fleeing like an assault on the line yeah yeah, and then was attacked in the thicket and killed there so his body was fresh as well as cassidy's Everybody, we're in a great deal of trouble. <laughs> It'd be great so, if we could all just circle around up top here. And if someone would like to reignite whatever powers this lighthouse, that'd be just uh, swell. Brandon looks at the fine doctor and kind of sighs and rolls his eyes. He looks at Hazel, raises his gun. He goes, you ready for this? Let's do it. I need some payback. They killed my friend. All right. Looks at Lorenzo. Uh, looks at Lorenzo. You ready for this as well? Or you want to? All right. So Brandon starts heading back down to the bottom. Okay. Um, you did find a broken radio from behind Cassidy's body. So you can do uh, an electrical repair to try to fix that radio. I'll try and tinker with it as I'm on the, on the run. Or, yeah, to like diagnose what's wrong with it. Um, and you know that on a small island like this? Okay. Yeah, so you, you, Hard you, success, you see that the radio is like slightly broken like pretty much that he like dropped it and just from like the shock of hitting the ground like jostled a couple things loose so you're able to piece it together a little bit to start to get it to work and it the channel the frequency it's set for is for the local coast guard and you can start to use the radio to call in if you need to He'll repair it, but he wants to keep his uh, his wits about him, so he'll hand it back to Lorenzo to make the the prescient call. Okay. So 
Brandon and Hazel are heading down the stairs. Uh, Lorenzo has the radio in the service room. And... No, I'm with him. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart's on the way down with him. And, and Dr. Ritter is with him scalpel as well. In, scalpel in one hand, uh, Derringer in the other, or whatever it is that I remember from the, the other agent. Oh, no, I gave that to Hazel. Never mind, just scalpel. <laughs> just okay. unequipped with anything useful. Let's go. So, quickly, let's see what Brandon and Hazel are doing. I am training my weapon on anything that is moving as we head to where there's only one room we haven't inspected, so I'm going to assume whatever is in control of the power is in there. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair guess. Okay, so you head to the base of the stairs. You go to uh, the last room in the lighthouse cottage that you haven't inspected yet, and you open up the door, and you see that it's just a plain kind of storage closet. Damn it. It's the larder. So it has all of their food and rations and everything for... You, you kind of take, like, a quick thing, like, three people, quick inventory, three people, and the amount of food that's in here, like, it would last them for, like, a month or two at least with the amount of food that's in there. I kind of nod to Hazel, and then I make my way through the kitchen, out the door to search for a power box on the outside of the building. Okay. Um, you guys roll out the kitchen door and follow the path kind of to the backside of the lighthouse. You see that there's a couple different shacks, um, opens up to a couple <laughs> oh, different parts of the shit. thicket. Oh, I love me <laughs> <lot> shacks. <laughs> um, and you just like a quick inventory as you're kind of poking your head into each of these. Um, you see that one is a shower, uh, kind of a shower house has a, a rain collector up top and it just you know dribbles water on them so they can bathe. There's an outhouse. Um, on the back side of the lighthouse, there's a generator shed. And you can see that there was a big hole in the roof that rain had just been pouring into throughout the course of the night and that there was probably a slight malfunction um, which is what it started causing the power to flicker and then to fail entirely. Um, the larger building to the southwest is a work shed. So there's um, sheet metal, there's nails, hammer, uh, everything you would need to, one, repair the roof and also repair the generator. Um, That's where we're going, I guess we, right? we got to start, yeah, start working on it, I guess. I will keep an okay. eye out for anything dangerous while they do that okay so roll me either a mechanical repair or electrical repair for the generator i am in i've been rolling too good this is not gonna go well (laughs) i will use 23 of my luck points to make that a success i am running low on luck so you climb on the roof you nail down a panel of sheet metal to kind of help protect it from, uh, you know, the rainfall. Hazel, roll me a luck check. And oh, while you're fixing the generator, you start to... Can, Can she use luck to drive down luck? <laughs> Do we know that? <laughs> I don't think you can, because as you 
spend luck, your luck goes down. I don't know. I don't I'll just spend one extra luck. <laughs> <laughs> just because. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so you're keeping guard, but it's way too rainy and uh, loud for you to really see anything. Um, but Brandon is able to repair the roof very quickly and kind of scoot some of the water out of this room and quickly repair the generator and can i push on luck i don't think so because there's no penalty you told me before i couldn't did it (laughs) that said Uh, i would really like it if you'd let do it (laughs) (laughs) so you don't you don't see anything as brandon's repairing this but he's able to get the generator working you start to see some of the lights flicker out of the windows in the uh, the cottage. And after a few seconds of sustained light in the cottage, you start to see the beacon, uh, the lighthouse beacon warm and start to glow brighter and brighter as you're doing this. And as you guys are doing this, Let's go back to Dr. Ritter and Lorenzo. So the very mechanically and electrically astute Brandon, (laughs) just going around fixing everything, gets you guys a working radio with um, the, the call microphone. And you guys are in the lighthouse repair room. What would you like to do? Signal anyone <laughs> within so you, like radio distance to let them know so what's you going on. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, yeah, if that's where, if that's where you hold down the call button on the microphone. Yeah, and it's pretty staticky, um, but you're you're able to connect the signal. Now I have a charming in your... and alluring, uh, <laughs> as per my care. But yeah, I, yeah. What do you want to say into the microphone? I'm basically going to scream. This is Dr. Stuart Ritter. I know you do not know me and have no reason to trust me, but I ask that you trust my words. We have happened upon... What is the name of this island? Beacon. Beacon Beacon Island. Island. We have happened upon Beacon Island. Found its lighthouse to be inoperable and all of its deacons dead. There are terrible monsters happening upon this place, and they threaten our very lives. If you have a soul, if you love Jesus Christ, you will find us. Thank you. And, <laughs> and God bless. And God bless. Yeah. Go with God. Um, so, and as, as you send this message out into the void... A couple seconds later, you hear a crackling response, and it's, this is the Rockport Coast Guard. You said you were on Beacon Island. We had reports of a ship going down there. Uh, A captain and his two crewmen made it to Rockport just minutes ago. Uh, are Are you safe? Are you okay? We are certainly not okay. We are super not okay. If there was a way I could explain okay in a way that made you think it was the opposite 
that I would use the word in that way. To uh, be not okay. Uh, I think I'm going to interrupt Dr. Rick. I'm going to interrupt Dr. Rick. I'm going to say, come rescue the great Capini and roll up the <laughs> Oh, I just shove him out of the way. And Lorenzo like, Capini? Wait, the Lorenzo the Capini? The Lorenzo Capini? Yes. My I'm, children love you. I'm, they think you're hilarious. Yes, so I'm gonna say. <laughs> Lorenzo Capini is here. He is in great danger. That's a hard success on that persuade. That dude is a huge fan <laughs> yeah. of Lorenzo Capini. Yes. Oh, my, my children would never forgive me if I let you die on that island. <laughs> Unfortunately, the storm is, is too strong. We'll have to wait till it dies down, but we will... We will have ships to you as soon as possible. Well, we're dead. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a couple things you cool, can do. Cool, cool. <laughs> Send them on. <laughs> if you've got some good advice about how to live. Try to find a safe place to hole up from the weather or from whatever it is that you're afraid of. I shout up, I found a shitter. Uh, <laughs> it can probably fit most of us. <laughs> I think I... Sorry, I found a shitter. It can probably fit most of us. <laughs> oh, very good. Well done. Now I'm now I'm uh, in. Lady and gentlemen, let's get back to the boat. Okay. Like, don't we... Okay. Let's get off this island. We cannot fight these things. There is more here than... No. We've started... Uh, have, have we got the light back on? Right? Um... Yeah, so the lighthouse beacon is working. Let's get out of here. Let's let's get to the boat. Aren't these things fish looking? Oh, it's probably fine. I bet you that's just a coincidence. And uh, Brandon <laughs> takes off towards the boats. Yeah. Uh, so like, they were. Um. Wouldn't they what, what be you able to swim? Would you, would the you like biologist? to stay here in this two by four, very small room at the top of the lighthouse? Or would you like to go to the ocean? I'd like to go home to my bed. Well, there's only one way to get there, and that's definitely through the ocean. I think it's a bad idea, but let's do it. We're going to go 650 yards. We're going to make it. Yep. Let's go. Let's I mean, it. I think we just... In a rowboat, like, in a storm. Yeah, let's go towards that before thing that. to get off this island. and hope Okay. Finds that. Leroy! So, Jenkins. as <laughs> the lighthouse beacon flickers and warms up and turns on and starts spinning again. And Lorenzo and Dr. Ritter get some reassurance that they will be rescued, but once the storm has passed, they run downstairs and into the cottage where they are met by Brandon and Hazel. And you all, as you are running north towards the dock where your boat is, right. You start to see the shapes of more of those creatures in the night around the coasts of the island. But you're able to make it to the boat in time. Unmoor and start rowing back towards mainland. Let's get some pilot boat checks in this tumultuous water. That's going to be the good old doctor. I can I am. Help. Yeah, I think that's that's me. 
I'll let, I'll let, I'll let Hazel and the doctor take over because I'm not good so at So you did get some binoculars that were in the study. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Um, so that can probably help you like navigate a little bit. You have some lanterns and everything else. Does that add like a so we'll numerical say, value? Or I succeed. Uh, be nice. <gasps> no, just kinda... yes. She succeeds. 19 out of 21. Right. Ooh. Okay. So you guys are slowly but surely making your way towards the mainland. And you are able to safely dock or not really dock because it's kind of a beach at <laughs> Folly Point. Mm. And Folly Point is a high point. There's a granite quarry next to it mm-hmm. and there's a beach a couple hundred feet below. And you're able to row your boat up onto the beach and are on dry land once again, but not completely out of harm's way. I shoot Lorenzo Cabini. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to run the the fastest. I just need to run faster than Lorenzo. (laughs) And I I take off my mask, and I'm a fish man the entire time. It's like, I knew you tried to make it to land, Lorenzo. And it's a big twist. Let's tackle it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But you're able to make your way around the beach up kind of the... There's a path up toward the cliffside into the granite quarry, and there are a couple construction offices and kind of crew offices, and you do find some people that are there to help you and save you. Hooray! Wait, we won? Did we really win? We win! You were able to escape beacon island thanks hazel you uh i feel like if you had failed that boat check we would have yeah that was all (laughs) well the reason why i rolled is because i still had 64 luck to spend so i had a really high chance of succeeding (laughs) that's amazing so i rolled an 84 but i lowered it to a 20 (laughs) and so that's i mean that's the point of luck and in a one shot just spend all your luck because it doesn't matter i rolled a 45 (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just like well, so, able to make it work oh, yeah great. and so some like behind the screen stuff too is like one the people that go outside are supposed to kind of find the generator like humming and like struggling to work mm-hmm. and find the hole in the roof so that's something you're supposed to kind of find while investigating outside and by supposed to you mean we didn't uh, <laughs> yeah well we went um, straight to the forest right and then go around the back yeah, you guys didn't follow the path towards the. Yeah, back I just of found the my White best House. friend dead. And instead of going, hmm, I probably should keep looking. Uh, I'm sorry, but it also does say I found your best friend dead. <laughs> right, <laughs> I just took your word for it. <laughs> but it also does say, because I think it's fun to like learn some of this stuff after the fact. Oh, I that super love it. Yeah, are doing the boat checks and you fail, or critically fail then the boat capsizes and then you have to try to swim. Ooh, I'm bad at that and too. And then if you fail your swim, then you just get swept out to sea and die. <laughs> <laughs> Two checks to death, huh? Yeah. Come no, it's Tulu. pretty A brutal. great role-playing game. <laughs> right? Die with... <laughs> and everybody, we survived without y'all finding out Hazel's true secret, so it's great. What's your there true secret? There you go, so double win for Hazel. I won't say until we're not recording anymore. 
god. Why would you do that to our listeners? Wow. I like it. That's a good end now. That is a good ending. I would like to say that Capini did absolutely nothing, but maybe his critical <laughs> failure is the reason. I mean why you we you acted as a wonderful meat shield for the rest of the party. Cabini did some meat you shield. You were a <laughs> you were a wonderful foil for like you constantly flourishing and doing stuff and failing and then a subsequently Four Corners Games podcast is property of Four Corners Games, Inc. For more information about Four Corners Games, please visit fourcornersgames.com with the number four. Music and sound on this episode by Sirenscape, because epic games need epic sound.